everyone remain calm. Back for more, huh? Well, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. Somebody talk to me! What is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. <laughs> How long is it going to take for that to spread around the globe? This was all John Hammond's dream. <laughs> Hold on to your butt. <laughs> Seriously? Well, we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 248th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Beyer, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. That's right. You guys heard it. Brad is out taking some much needed time off and he gave the show to me. Like, I know that my last name doesn't rhyme with the word host and it's kind of jarring to hear that introduction, but I promise if you stick it out with me, we're going to have a great time on today's episode. So let's get things kicked off. We have a mega stuffed episode this week where we're going to cover a month's worth of Jurassic news. It's been a while since we've done a dedicated news segment and a lot has happened in that time. After that, we head out to the old communications building for the next iteration of the Jurassic Wire. Uh, Because Brad is gone, I'm going to fill in for Brad, and we have a special guest, Clayton Fioriti. Uh, He was good enough to work with us at the last minute, and so we're going to temporarily shake things up. Stick around for all the latest hot takes surrounding the Jurassic Saga. All debates and conversations inside this segment are certainly our own opinions and insights based on just what we've seen in the news and around the community. There's uh, no video version this week as things got a bit chaotic, but that's okay. We'll be sure to pick up again as soon as possible for those who like to watch our recorded show. But enough of the housekeeping, let's jump right into the episode starting with some Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access me. Access me. Security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. Today, I guarantee it. Alright, so we haven't covered too much Jurassic news lately, but so much has happened. Let's just briefly go through the month of August. Camp Cretaceous dropped a trailer and a release date. This DreamWorks animated series comes to the mega-popular streaming service Netflix on September 18th, and I, for one, am super excited. I know that online I like tend to be kind of cautious and a bit glass-half-empty with all of these new reveals, but I love this franchise, and to be honest with you, I can't wait for this one. I'm just ready for a new Jurassic adventure. Now, I can tell you, Brad and Tom were invited to see the entire first season already, and they're both really excited for the entire community to see it. Uh, They're busy planning some awesome Camp Cretaceous content for you, so stay tuned for that in the future. There were some new video game announcements for Jurassic this past week. First off, Minecraft announced a new Jurassic World expansion. The trailer revealed set pieces from both Jurassic eras for fans young and old, and it boasts to have more than 60 dinosaurs. Now, I myself don't play Minecraft, but I fully acknowledge that it's one of the most popular video games in the entire world. I may have to pick it up just so I can cover it for a future episode of The Game Trail. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to our website, JurassicParkPodcast.com, and check out the full article written up by Tom Fishington, and then head over to our YouTube channel where Brad plays some of it for you all to enjoy. It really looks like the complete package for Minecraft players who also love Jurassic. And speaking of the complete package, Jurassic World Evolution Complete Edition is coming to the Nintendo Switch. 
Now friends, let me tell you, I sunk over 100 hours into the PlayStation 4 release of this game, and I am for sure getting this version so that I can dive into it on the go. Like, I can play it on a plane or a bus. That's awesome. This version has every bit of the DLC and is available right now for pre-order for $59.99 USD. It comes out on November 3rd, 2020. What's in the box? Okay, Brad Pitt obviously delivers the line a lot better than I do, but no, for real, what's in the box? The marketing team over at Chaos Theorem revealed a new set image featuring a big, beautiful silver box with an InGen logo and the words Site B Isla Sorna? What? That's crazy! Now, there's been speculation swirling around the community for the better part of the month on what this actually means for Jurassic World Dominion. Are we going back to Sorna? Who has possession of this box? I for one think it's part of a flashback and others have pointed out details in the background that point to previous films. Head over to JurassicParkPodcast.com for full details and the image. Speaking of previous films, it looks like our old friend the Compies are back to return for Jurassic World Dominion, this time in puppet form. I want to say that this is the first time since The Lost World we've seen this dinosaur as an animatronic, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, this image was released alongside another of Chris Pratt in an article on the New York Times about the new world of post-COVID-19 film production. The image I'm really excited about shows a production artist giving a little touch-up uh, to the small little dinos who have been caged. Of course, the internet blew up and everybody has their own opinions about the look of the animals. I, for one, am excited to see these little guys return. But as usual, COVID-19 continues to impact our franchise in some not-so-great ways. For instance, over on Deadline, they reported that due to a spike in the COVID-19 cases, the filming in Malta has been scaled back and some key players will no longer be filming there. The actors not traveling include Sam Neill, Chris Pratt, and Bryce Dallas Howard. Filming on the location is still going to happen there, but again, scaled down apparently. I don't know exactly to what extent. Head over to Deadline.com to read the full article. Another impact of COVID-19 has been the disruption of the shooting schedule, causing actor Jake Johnson to question his return to Jurassic World Dominion. Originally, they announced his return, and the actor now finds himself dealing with scheduling conflicts. Hopefully everything gets worked out. I was actually really excited for this return. Lowry's one of my favorite characters in the franchise, like the entire franchise. I see myself a lot in that character, and I'm sure a lot of other fans do as well. Uh, if you want the full scoop, head over to Collider.com to check out that article and interview. The pandemic hasn't ruined everything, however. It would appear that the big three actors are back on set filming together alongside Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt. Speaking with Insider, Jeff Goldblum had this to say about one of their scenes. The first thing that we shot, it was a scene with me and Laura Dern and Sam Neill, and we were, I can't tell you much, but we were all day in a very tight and closed space, Goldblum said. You'll see, it's a mystery you'll solve when you see the movie. The three of us were in a tiny little space and we were being menaced by, I can't even tell you, a surprising faction of prehistoric creatures that you've never seen before. So there you have it. The big three are together on screen and I absolutely can't wait to see this. He also talks about what it's like to shoot a movie during the pandemic and he talks about the animatronics on set. Head over to insider.com for the full interview. Unfortunately, our last bit of news today is actually a sad one. Tetsu.com, a tetrapology blog, is reporting that paleo artist Brian Franzak has passed away. 
Many in our fandom know him as the artist who illustrated the collector cards that came with the original run of the Kenner Toys back in 1993, and those really inspired me as a kid. To be quite honest with you, like, I couldn't even, like, figure out a nice way to, like, script this or, um, you know, say it without it just becoming, like, really disingenuous. So, like, I just kind of want to take this moment here to kind of go through and just kind of, like, briefly give, like, my recollection of his art. Um, he actually did artwork for a book called The Dinosaur Encyclopedia, um, put out by the Dinosaur Society, and I used to, like, carry that book with me everywhere as a kid it had um just a ton of drawings and i used to use it for reference when i would like draw like my dinosaurs as a kid and of course the jurassic park trading cards or collector cards i guess with the original kenner toys like i have them here next to me and i'm flipping through my book of trading cards from when i was a kid and like they're all here like right starting from number one and i believe going through the last one is number 16 and they're just absolutely stunning and amazing. Um, my favorite of his is probably the Tranodon flying over the road on Isla Nublar or uh, Stego Roundup, which is uh, two people like lassoing a Stegosaurus. Um, those images just inspired me as a kid to like want to grow up and do dinosaur art myself. And I really try with like doing like my own CG work. Um, he showed us parts of Nublar that we've never seen um, and he illustrated based off of like things that he had read in the book you know for the movie and uh, you know you can go out and buy almost any paleo art book and see his work uh, included in there he's specifically known for showing dinosaurs with like vibrant beautiful colors and I think that's apparent in uh, both his work inside Jurassic and outside so uh I just want to say, you know, thoughts to his family. And, uh, you know, if you don't have any of his work, please look it up uh, and please consume it. It's absolutely beautiful. Brian Franzak was born in 1955 and passed in 2020. Oh, there it is. There it is. The debate over Isla Nublar rages on. They're taking no chances of talking about man-made cataclysmic change. The U.S. Senate has convened a special committee to answer a grave moral question. Air one, clear for takeoff. Begin tracking. Go, go! Welcome, everybody, to the Jurassic Wire. I'm Aaron Beyer, and the Jurassic Wire is the segment here on the Jurassic Park Podcast where we deep dive into all the latest news in the Jurassic Saga and the latest conversations in the Jurassic community. Today we'll be discussing the Camp Cretaceous trailer, revealed set images, the Jurassic Park Dead Islands book, and possibly, if we have time, talking about Jurassic franchise being the first to gross $1 billion per film. That's crazy. Um, as you guys might know, Brad is out this week, so filling in, we have Clayton Fioriti. Uh, Clayton, thanks so much for filling in. Admittedly, very last minute. How are you today? Did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. You're one of the first people to actually do so. So thanks. For awesome. That. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is great. I, the, I've i told you before, The Wire is like my favorite segment on the Jurassic Park podcast. So this is really cool for me. Yeah, no, I mean, and we really appreciate you filling in. Like, I know 
Brad and I actually kind of tossed the idea around of, of not recording this week um, at all because he's just super busy. Um, I'm not going to like necessarily say what he's up to. Anyone who wants to go follow him can follow him at Brad Jost over on Twitter to see what he's up to. But he's crazy busy right now. And I was like, well, like I get it. Like, you know, and, and you and I were having this this discussion earlier this week. It's like there are so many outlets now for Jurassic. It's like with with this wire in particular, this this particular one where it falls in the timeline, it's like the last episode there was like nothing to talk about, and then two days later, everything just exploded, right? Yeah. And it's definitely you know it's definitely Brad's mission, right, to like want to to keep cover things like up to date, and so like it's like well, where does the wire fall into all this, right? Because now it's the end of the month and we're kind of going to tread on some things. I'm trying to keep it a little fresh so that we don't just keep treading on things that have already been over talked about all month long. But, you know, I think a little bit of different perspective is, is never really a bad thing. So, um, you know, why don't you just, for anybody that doesn't know you, um, why don't you just tell people like who you are and what you do? Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'm Clayton. Uh, I make Jurassic park videos on YouTube and, uh, I'm just a big fan that, talks about obscure random things that a lot of people probably either don't care to know about or didn't know about before. So that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, like I don't follow too much Jurassic Park content. I, I, I follow some of your stuff. Cause I think like you do a lot of like nitty gritty deep dive things where like, I don't think I would ever, I'm pretty knowledgeable. Right. But like there are certain people in the community that I don't think I would ever want to go toe to toe with you know, as far as like Jurassic Park knowledge. Right. And I think, I think you're definitely one of them. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> just because you, you know, like, you know, it's like you and like, I, like Jack Ewins is another person. Um, he's part of chaos theorem. You know, one of the guys who writes up um, some of the expanded universe stuff for universal. And it's like, when I talk to you guys, it's, it's a different perspective than what like I go into like is just like I consider myself like a huge fan, but like you guys make it like your business to like know the ins and outs of like every little thing, um, and I think that's really cool. So um, like for instance, like one of the videos I watched with uh, of yours was I started watching your Trespasser series, and <laughs> I I hate that game like right. more than anything, and like admittedly like watching halfway through half, watching half I got halfway through your series and I was like oh god bless you man like I can't I can't do this like how did he get through this it's so incredibly bad um yeah. and I and I know there's going to be a game trail where we have to have to discuss it but um so yeah I mean I think you're a perfect person to have on this week especially while Brad is out um you know doing his stuff mm-hmm. so why don't we just dive right in um the Camp Cretaceous trailer literally dropped like three or four days after the last episode of The Wire. Have you had a chance? I'm assuming you've had a chance to watch this. Yes, I've, I've seen it several times. <laughs> it is so incredibly, like to me, it's like so incredibly good. Um, I, I would imagine that if you're listening to this, you've seen this trailer. Um, you, you've had to have seen this trailer. Like it, it's it was massive it like it blew up the internet in the course of a day like what did you think of it what were your initial thoughts do you remember yeah well uh well real quick i was actually just to give a little bit of a a backstory on where i kind of fall with uh camp cretaceous i was i I don't want to say i was skeptical but i was definitely suspicious of uh well a lot of things i didn't know what they were going to show us was this going to be canon is this 
worth, uh, you know, what is the rating on this thing? What is, what are they actually trying to do? I was interested, but you know, there's always that idea in the back of your head. That's like, is this just kind of be something that's rushed out just to fill a quota? But I, I watched the trailer and my reaction was, wow, that actually really surprised me. Uh, I, I liked it quite a bit. I, I still think that it, the final quality, like I'm hovering around, this looks like it'll end up being like a seven out of 10 or a eight out of 10 for me. But yeah, I was, I was very surprised, especially at the end of the trailer. There's, there's a lot of crazy imagery with like someone hanging from the shark line and a Mosasaurus is like jumping out of the water, like uh, supposedly trying to eat this girl. And I was like, I did not expect them to do anything like that in the trailer, but yeah, I was surprised and I, I really did like it. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the, I think you kind of hit like the nail on the head. It's trying to eat this girl. Like, I feel like, I don't feel like anyone's going to die in this. I think you might see, you might see a body lying on the floor, (laughs) but like, I don't think you're going to see like gouges or slashes or blood even, right? Um, Yeah, I I would highly doubt that they would go out of their way to do something uh, like, or, or even the other way around where like, a dinosaur gets killed, like uh, Kelly knocking the raptor out of the window and getting skewered. I don't think we'll see anything like that either. So, uh, No, I kind of doubt it. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of play through it on my end. I know you have it queued up over there as well. Maybe just check to make sure your volume is down because I don't know if uh, – I don't know if the software you we're using like picks up on that stuff. But like just as we go through, we'll just do another talk through. Um, you know, for listeners out there, if you want like Brad and Tom's opinion on this, they do have a YouTube video up, and I do believe there's actually an audio recording of of their first thoughts. Um, Brad and Tom were actually invited to see the first season, so they've actually seen it, um, which is kind of works out that Brad's not here because I think if Brad was here, I don't think we could even have this conversation because. I don't want to sit and speculate with him when he like knows what's going on. (laughs) Um, So I know him and Tom are working on uh, some content for the podcast and I know they're both really excited about it. So to me that bodes well. Um, But right off the bat, we've got, um, you know, we pan up on the Island or we dolly up on the Island. We've got a worker looking up at a helicopter. And the first thing that sticks out to me is this SUV. Hmm. Now, we're back in this red and yellow motif that we're all used to with Jurassic Park. And like for me, this, we kind of knew this was coming, right? Cause the original like key art had like the Jurassic Park or yeah, Camp Cretaceous yeah, and red totally and yellow going for that style. So like, what do you think? What do you think of now this transition back to the classic colors? Like how does that, how does that strike you? How does that hit you? Okay. Well, the, uh, it's confusing, but at the same time, it's, I understand it on a marketing level because they're like, oh, well, maybe someone wants to see the old school stylings of the Jeep and the gates. So why not put them in Jurassic World as far as like, you know, just giving the fans what they want. But the other part of me is confused because, you know, obviously the two parks are like, what, 25 years in between each other and, right. you know, totally different architecture. So a part of me is wondering, well, and there's also that line in Jurassic World where uh, Claire addresses Lowry's shirt, which has the old Jurassic Park logo on it. It's like, yes, it's like, hey, you know, that's a little disrespectful. People died. And I guess I guess they don't care on this uh, one little part of the island. But 
I don't know. The the weird thing is like this vehicle in particular, like the red stripes on the uh, old Jeeps, at least, and this is where I get a little zany, but like in the Michael Crichton books, those were to prevent Triceratops from like charging the Jeeps. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was talking to you guys about this. Yeah. It, like they never say this in the movies, so it's not like official 1993 movie canon or at least not now. I'm sure it will be eventually, but like, it's interesting that they've brought that back and it's in Jurassic world 20 some odd years later. And, um, you know, we haven't even talked about the fact that it's a six by six. It's like a completely different vehicle, but, um, I, I like it. I, I do question, um, how does this work in the, in the new park? But, uh, I don't know if that's something that a lot of people think like, like myself, or if that's something that they're just like, yeah, whatever. It's it's the old colors. It's I don't know. You what know, do you think about it? It's weird. It strikes me as weird. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not hating on this. I'm I I'm more glass half full on this on this whole entire trailer. But yes, mm-hmm. the colors. I was like, well, wait, who who in the world <laughs> wanted these? Like, who in the world of Jurassic World wanted these colors? Like, the branding of Jurassic World is blue, right? And so like. Why would they have an offshoot kids camp that was, I guess, different branding and different colors? Like, wouldn't you want the, your Jurassic World? Like, you pay a lot of money for the Jurassic World, like, imaging and advertising to be done. Wouldn't you want that kind of plastered, like, all over? And then, yeah, like, the thing with the Jeep, Rick, really struck me because we're so... Pandering's the wrong word, but I feel like this color palette is just basically pandering to people in their mid thirties who saw the original movies when they were young or like, you know, just kind of the, the older generation of fans. Right. And so mm-hmm. I look at it and I'm like, okay, so this panders to me. I, I appreciate that it's pandering to me. Um, but at the same time, like I'm with you, I'm like, well, the, the stripe serves a purpose, maybe not in the movies, but it does serve a purpose in some version of Jurassic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so if they're making a small park inside of Jurassic World, like when I first saw this trailer, I'm like, well, wait, why is it not just called Jurassic Park? That's a good question. <laughs> like why? And again, it, it does boil down to your statement about Lowry, which I didn't even think of. But like the phrase Jurassic Park, I guess, is disrespectful, like around the workforce and around and throughout history. So like, sure. But, like, if you're going to use the Jurassic Park colors, you're making a smaller theme area in, in – and for all intents and purposes, like, when you look around, it's a park. There's right, there's yeah. hang gliders and and bridges and, and stuff like that. So it's, like, kind of weird. And then these kids are just being trucked in to this Jeep, which, like, it, everyone assumes – and you'll see this in, like, other video games, right? You'll see this, like, in Operation Genesis. But, like, everyone assumes – that everyone shows up to like in the future in like 1994 right after the after the <laughs> thing in 1994 people assume that like visitors were going to show up in a helicopter and then they were going to take red jeeps to like their hotel sure right? yeah that's and that's that's, <laughs> that's not the case at all no that, that and i don't think people have thought outside of what they've seen in the movie and i, I also don't think they realized that that was like a test run there's no way they could possibly get that many visitors, like six people per helicopter trip. <laughs> yeah, like that's 
that's my favorite thing about like it's it's one of my favorite and I say that like ironically like it's one of my favorite things about Operation Genesis is that like everyone shows up on a helicopter yeah. and it's like the cost effectiveness of this is insane. It's this very doesn't make silly. any yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Like you have to look at Jurassic Park and go like this is a VIP tour. They didn't take the general transportation because they were getting VIP treatment, right? Mm-hmm. So of course they pick them up in very clean Vet, I'm assuming veterinary vehicles, right? Um, yeah. Or just yeah. maintenance vehicles, right? Um, so for these kids to be being like shipped in in this Jeep, it's like, oh, so this really is just, it's not thinking beyond the world, um, which is a little annoying to me. Like, I get it. It's for familiarity and stuff, but yeah, I, mean, I, I feel the same way because it's sort of like, it's cool that they've done that, but at the other end, I'm also the back of my mind is like, okay, but how does this work? <laughs> yeah, which I mean, I guess we're gonna get information on that eventually, right? Like, I, I guess we're gonna get the answers to like how or why does this work? Maybe, maybe these kids are picked up at their like with you know their parents' hotel on the island or something like that, and maybe this is just the most effective way to get across the island. Like that makes logistical sense to me, right? Uh, it could, it, it could also never be explained and it's just kind of <laughs> what they're going to grow with, but yeah. I don't That's know. That's also very true. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm totally cool with seeing it. It's a cool vehicle. It's, it's cool gates and stuff like that. I think mainly, and, and this is partly because I haven't seen it, but also because I, I, I have seen Jurassic world. It's like, well, they established that the old iconography is it's it's of the Hammond era, so to speak. And Mizrani came in and had his own aesthetic. And they also established that, look, what happened in the old park is like it was a tragedy. It was it was I'm assuming in universe. We know that uh, Peter Ludlow lied about Ian Malcolm when he broke his NDA. And now I guess when everybody found that out, it was looked at as like this terrible corporation that caused this evil thing to happen so it's just so bizarre to me to have jurassic world going oh yeah we, we don't we don't talk about the you know the the jurassic park days we're past that we're, we're all happy uh park now that's open to the public and then you see like here they're using the old vehicles like colors and the the big gates and stuff so it's i'd i'd like an explanation i don't know if we'll ever get one but it's it's very strange they might just try to hand wave it off like oh it's on the other part of the island and here we're like the edgy teen camp where we tell ghost stories about Dennis Nedry and how he died around the camp. Jeez. I, <laughs> I mean, maybe, but like, yeah, I don't know. It just struck me as odd. And, and like what you said about Lowry getting his shirt off eBay, mm-hmm. right? Like <laughs> I, I just kind of love that whole thing that like Jurassic park is like a very rare thing. And like the average audience doesn't really probably even know or even care about the original color aesthetic that was supposed to be there. Like it would have struck me really weird if this car that they're driving up in is like the green with the red tiger stripes, right? Like that would have struck me even more weird than, than this offering, which they sure. Have yeah. 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 Um, I do, I do like the car, I guess. I mean, I'm not a big fan of modern cars anyway. So like, I can't really critique this SUV in the sense that like, <laughs> This this is nothing I would ever want to own. Um, this car I do want to own a 1992 or 1993 Jeep, but like I like that aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and I think this is actually based off of a real car. Um, oh, really? Actually, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think this is actually in Jurassic World. Um, oh. in a in a background. I think I could be I could be off base. Um, 
But then, yeah, let's see. I'll just continue to play through. Um, you know, they're driving through trees here. The kids are getting out of the... Uh, they're jumping out of the Jeep, and then we see this... The Ewok village? Yeah, the Ewok... <laughs> Oh no, we sound so negative on this. I think it's really cool. It's just like oh, it's what? like it's like what's the logistics of this? Yeah, I'm not negative. I'm I'm just looking at it. That's what it looks like, right? Yeah, like, it totally does. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Like let's let's really dive into it. So the bottom there looks a lot like uh, a Sydney, Australia version of the Innovation Center, so to speak. I guess you could say. But yeah, totally. Um, you know what this actually reminded me of immediately. And I don't know if people even remember what this was, but as a kid, every Sunday, I loved watching a, a new TV show that was on TNT called Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World. And they had a little hut like in the trees and it looked exactly like this. So it's uh, th- this came out like in 1999. Um, it didn't yeah, last I mean, very long. I know what you're talking about. Um, and I think that like even... I didn't grow up with the original, but like the 1990s or, or late 80s version of Land of the Lost, they also lived like in a oh, treetop. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's very, that's like a very classic uh, family Robinson kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, look um, like the treetop village and stuff like that. I think at Disney, they've got the big, you know, treetop uh, extravaganza kind of thing where kids can go climb around. And even at Universal Studios, they have something similar where kids can traverse. Um, that's what I'm looking for. They can traverse like rocks and caves and stuff like that. Yeah, so, there's like a big stegoceratops uh, skeleton in the Jurassic Park section of at least the one in Hollywood. I don't know about the one in Florida, but um, yeah. Is it a stego? Is it really a stegoceratops? Like it's it's a morphed animal. I, well, from what I remember, I've only been there. Like, well, technically I've been there twice, but I only looked at it once. Um, it's like a Triceratops skull. And then I, I'm pretty sure it's got like the Stegosaurus uh, plates on its back. Um, okay. This is before, like, this has nothing to do with the Jurassic World um, thing. I think this has been there for like a really long time. Oh, okay. But, okay, so it's a, it's not exactly a Stegosaurus, I guess, but that's kind of what it is. But anyways, um <laughs> Yeah, the I I like it. I think it's a little. Do you think it's a little too tropey? Like we we've, we've seen this kind of aesthetic and dinosaur adventure material before, or do you think it makes sense for the Jurassic World as a park? I think you know what though. Like so, I don't disagree. Like I feel like I might have seen something like this in Dinotopia or whatever mm. like that. But like, isn't like look? Isn't that kind of where we're going? Right? Like. Isn't sure. universe isn't Universal basically like at this point like look we own the rights to dinosaurs like so <laughs> we're just literally gonna take the best of all dinosaur stuff and we're gonna like tie it into the Jurassic license like I was looking through um, I've got a Ray Harryhausen book hmm. and one of my favorite images from uh, Valley of Guanji is in. I don't actually know it from Valley of Guanji. I know it from friends. Um, when Ross is like in Rachel's dad's like hospital room or something, but like <laughs> he's watching, he's watching cowboys take down the dinosaurs. T-Rex. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, you know, they, they've kind of done it in the lost world, but like a lot of this stuff is, yeah, it's tropey, but like, I think if a Ray Harryhausen movie came out, like a remake of like Valley of Guanji or a remake of the, of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Lost World from like 19, I want to say 12 ish 
early 1900s, like it, it just wouldn't make money. Like, because yeah. I think, yeah. I think Jurassic, it's like, it is, it's that license to print money for dinosaurs, you know? So why not take all the best of history and put it in your own franchise, take ownership over it, you know? Yeah. Well, they've done it before. Um, Steven Spielberg, especially in the first two movies, there's a lot of scenes that are, I wouldn't call them ripoffs or like, they're not ripoffs. They're, they're a lot of homages to like yep. older monster movies. And well, even in Fallen Kingdom, there's the part you bring up Valley of Guanji. Uh, there's the part in Fallen Kingdom where they bring out the Indoraptor and it's lit with like these uh, lights underneath the stage. And it's got like, uh, it's so animals, good. Uh, the cage and it's just like the scene where they bring out Guanji in the circus and Valley of Guanji. So, I mean, they've done this before. It's uh, what's getting me is just the fact that we're, we're getting to the point to where now we're, we're at the park. It makes, it makes enough sense there, but we are literally putting people in trees and like little huts and trees. And uh, it looks cool. I, it just, to me, there's something about it that I'm just wondering, like, how much of this are we going to get to see? Is this a big part of the story or is this just like an exterior shot? And then we never see it like ever again. Um, Cause I could see yeah. some cool dinosaur attacks happening around here. Like, you know, they try to get away like in the land of the lost. We're like, Oh, grumpy is at the door. We better throw a log in his mouth or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Like I'm assuming based on the rest of the trailer that this is like a traversal series so yeah. like they're yeah i think you're right like i think i think what we see in this trailer is a lot of like the first episode and then there might not be more now it does depend on how long this series is i don't think netflix has confirmed how long it is so not quite sure there um mm. and then i i'm not even going to ask tom or or brad because honestly i don't want i don't want to jeopardize like their integrity with uh universal so like <laughs> we don't know how long this is and it's like yeah i'm with you Every time we see something really cool, it's like, oh, I want more of that. But no, we have to go do this. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of like, well, I that looks interesting, but I don't know the extent of how much I'm going to see that. So I better hold off on speculating that wildly. You know what I mean? Is it like you're holding your expectation or is it like you're like, is it like you're tempering disappointment in being like, well, I don't want to fall in love with this thing because this might be the shot. Right. Like, well, it's more like. Hmm, that's a really good question. I guess if, let's say, when you saw the trailer for like Jurassic Park three, um, and you, do you remember when they hyped up this this big fight for like the T Rex and the Spinosaurus and like no, like weirdly I don't because like I had fallen. So Lost World for me was like I I came out of Lost World disappointed. Oh wow! Like. It was actually the first movie I'd ever walked out of being like, I don't understand. Cause I, you know, up until that point, it's like every movie I saw was just great. Right. right. And I'm talking like, I was like probably 10 or 11. Right. Hmm. And for Lost World, I had hyped myself up so much. I was at like KB Toys like weeks and weeks before. Cause they were like <laughs> the first, they were like the first store to get Lost World stuff. Hmm. Um, basically the moment that Crichton's book came out, I started saving my allowances for toys. Uh. I was like, this is happening. Can't wait. Right. So like I basically started the lost world era with all, any toy that you could get on the shelf. I had already saved for it and like basically bought it very quickly. And so, and again, I'm like, I'm like 10 or 11 years old at this point. So I'm, I'm getting an okay allowance and like toys back then were fairly cheap. So mm -hmm. like I've, I've got this amassed allotment of stuff. And then I'm like, it's going to be the sequel to Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park's the greatest movie ever made. 
I remember walking out of The Lost World being like, that just wasn't as good. And like being young enough to like not understand why that was the case. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, as I get older, right, and I look back at that movie, like I have a major appreciation for it. But like, right. yeah. when I first saw the teaser trailer for Jurassic Park 3, and I want to say it was on, it was on some VHS, but it was like this really saturated green jungle Mm-hmm. And like, it was like the point of view of like a monster walking through the jungle and like, it didn't show anything. Right. And then right. the logo, I'm like, this is dumb. Like, I'm not even into this. So like, <laughs> so like for me, like, and I shouldn't say I was like super disappointed with the lost world. Like, I don't want to like, I don't want to like cause some kind of controversy. I just, I was very aware that I didn't like it as much as the original. Right. Um, right. But like, as soon as like Jurassic Park three came out, man, like I checked out, I was like, no, there's, there's just no way. And then I didn't follow anything. I knew they had a website because the internet was like becoming a thing yeah. back then. <laughs> um, so like I checked out the website and I was like, oh, this is a really nice, like the logo is really big and I can save the image off onto my computer. But like, <laughs> I remember really not being like crazy excited about the movie in theaters. And then like a weirdo, I had like a complete 180 when the DVD came out. Because it was like the first DVD I could buy. Oh, and yeah. so I was like, I was like, oh yeah, like this is going to be awesome. And I was like, but it's just still not great. So anyway, I lost track. What was your question about um, Jurassic not- Park 3? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were talking about, you know, tempering expectations. And I, I was just bringing up Jurassic Park 3's, uh, oh, well, I guess sure, the, sure, sure. The TV spots more specifically, but like I remember seeing loads of TV spots and they featured this new dinosaur, the Spinosaurus, which even at the time um, we didn't know, like like the Spinosaurus before Jurassic Park three, it was actually in the lost world toy line and it looks nothing like what it is in the actual movie. And I can remember thinking, I I remember so vividly being with my friends going like, Oh my God, guys, like Jurassic Park, they had like one T-Rex. Right. And we were like, yeah. And they had like Jurassic Park two. They had two T-Rexes. Right. And they were like, yeah, and I'm thinking, like, man, there's going to be three T-Rexes in Jurassic Park 3. And, like, it's going to be this big epic fight between the Spinosaurus. And, you know, sure enough, comes time to watch the movie. And even though at the time I, I did walk out of Jurassic Park 3 very happy, about a year later, all of the criticisms that you see thrown at it, like, today, I was they were in my mind. I was like, you know, that fight was really short. And they, like, spent all their marketing, like, trying to get me to get into the seat to see that. And, that, and like... They, they, there was also this whole thing about raptors running around wild for the first time. And that was like a two second shot where they were like running, uh, chasing after the group that went into the herd. So yeah. I guess part of me is like, I better not overthink any of this because I've done that before. And well, you know, I think I've explained it pretty well. Um, it, this looks like a cool a cool part of the park. I will say that I don't know how much we will see of it or if we will even see like intricate details, like different rooms up there or a dinosaur attacking this area. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I'm not expecting a whole lot of it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Like when I look at this, I think like, okay, the, the modeling is like, I don't want to say it's simple, right? Because, like, I mean, it would take me a while to, like, produce this, right? But, like, I look at it and I go, okay, this isn't something that can't be produced and then 
not like like you could afford to not reuse this set. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Like the yeah. the budget wise, you you look at this and you go, yeah, we we can afford to have this in one episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because most of these trees, like I, you can buy trees like on Turbo Squid and stuff like that. I'm not saying that's what these are, but like I I I, f- I feel like these are you know some like asset library, um, the smaller ones anyway, like asset library trees and right. So your your hero piece is this big tree in the middle, mm-hmm. um, and it's like. I, I'm sure it took a lot of time and effort to to make it, and like I'm sure there was a lot of noting processing going on with it. But like I don't feel like it's so like complex that they couldn't just be like, okay, well, you know, that was a great set piece for this episode. And I'm kind of with you, like in tempering expectations. Like I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm going into Dominion like super amped up. And part of that is my history with like being kind of lukewarm on on Fallen Kingdom, but. You know, I'm not going in super amped up. And I've said it very, like, a lot in conversations where it's like, look, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've kind of, ever since Fallen Kingdom, I've kind of sunk back into my, like, lukewarm, glass half empty, kind of like, you know, hey, <laughs> what do you, you know, I'm very cautious, right, of, like, what they're going to show me or, like, what they're going to want to attempt to show me. And so mm. um, I'm I'm totally happy to be proven wrong on any Jurassic Park stuff. But, um, all right. So anyway, that, so that's like the, that's the treetop village. I'm going to keep going through here. And then we've got the zip lines, which <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, it is really cool. I, I don't understand how this is at all safe or legal <laughs> because I feel like that Brachiosaur could just like swing its neck at any moment. Yeah. And there's just a weird obliterate this kid. They never like even, <laughs> In, in these movies, the Lost World's the only one where, like, the herbivores were looked at as, like, hey, these things can hurt you. Well, I guess the end of Fallen Kingdom, but at the same time, it's, like, it, it, that looks very cool, but I would be a little worried. I'd be, like, you know, is a Brachiosaurus smart enough to to not recognize me as, like, a threat or, like, a snack? I mean, I know it eats trees and stuff, but... If this animal takes one step forward, it could destroy like the line. <laughs> like, oh, man. It, just, it does look very dangerous. It's it's like um, I would imagine that seeing a dinosaur up close is very much like, hey, have you ever been to like SeaWorld and like looked at the whales very like up close? Like they look beautiful from afar and they're amazing to watch. But like when you really get up close with them and you see like into their eyes and they're terrifying. I would mm. not want to be in the water with one of those, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I, like to me, like I look at this kid flying on this, on this, uh, this glider and I'm he's, like, Hey, more power to you. Yeah, yeah. More power to you kid. Cause I would, I would never do it. I would enjoy this animal from afar. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's keep going. The Brachiosaur looks at him and then we have the Indominus. And I think the Indominus model looks really cool mm-hmm. um, for this animated series. Like, what did you first think when you saw the Indominus appear again? Well, okay. So I had a lot of questions on whether or not this would be canon. And it, it looks like to me they actually do want it to – I think they want it to be canon. Now, they said that about the live tour, and then they kind of backpedaled on it. So, again, yeah. this is where I'm, like, iffy, but um, – I think the Indominus looks pretty good. It looks, I don't know exactly how this happens because I'm not someone that's very knowledgeable on how these CGI assets, you know, get passed around in the industry from project to project. And obviously Camp Cretaceous is like a step down from 
a live action resolution, but I, I think it looks good. It's definitely, it's going to be interesting on how this thing attacks people during the events of the fourth movie, because they technically have a lot of room to like do some weird stuff because the Indominus was absent for actually some noticeable stretches because like there's a part where the Pteranodons attack main street. Right. And then we abruptly cut to like night. So they could theoretically do a lot with this dinosaur. Uh, I just wonder like, what is it going to be doing? It's cool to see it here, but this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about not having you know, visible blood or violence or gore or something like that. So is it just going to yeah. be running around and chasing? I hope it's not like that where it's like a Scooby-Doo thing like, oh, it's the Indominus and it's back and now we got to hide on, behind this tree and the next episode is the same thing. But I'm excited to see it again. I actually really like the Indominus Rex for how weird and it almost, to me, it reminds me of like a King Kong Rex from the 2005 movie only. Yeah. Um, I think it's slightly more monstrous, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it again. Uh, I think they've done a pretty good job in the model. Yeah. I think it looks really good. Um, I mean, I won't, I won't like bore you with like the 3d things, but like it's, it's actually, it's probably possible that this is the Indominus Rex model by ILM that was Mm. then like basically, uh, I'll say dummy down, um, to kind of fit their, their pipeline and obviously like retextured, um, to, to kind of fit their pipeline. It's, I'm happy the Indominus is back for this reason, because I don't feel that the events of Jurassic World were enough to shut that park down. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good point. Right? Like, I we've seen things, like, I don't know, and I don't mean to be, like, distasteful, but, like, when that little boy fell into the gorilla pit Mm -hmm. and the gorilla was like playing with it or like being its mother or something like like, they didn't they didn't close the zoo they put down the animal right Right. and so i feel like after the events of jurassic world i mean they they cleaned up the tranodons pretty darn quick because they called in the calvary right and shot them all down and then everyone was evacuated out of the downtown area and the Indominus had like a fight with the Raptors. And I feel like even the Raptors with, with tracking beacons are fairly easy to catch. So like I never fully bought that Jurassic world would have shut down. Like I, I have to, because that's, yeah, that's what happened, but I get what what you're saying. So like, I'm kind of interested to see this thing terrorize more, if that Mm. makes sense. Like I'm interested, I'm interested to see the giant, gap of time like you're talking about right like and i'm interested to see like how other dinosaurs are loose like with what we see in jurassic world and i don't know i don't know like what is on the dpg about this or anything but like with what we see of jurassic world why are there other dinosaurs out come fallen kingdom like did they just turn the power off and open doors when they evacuated the island like that doesn't make any sense yeah it's there's a lot of stuff there that i think wasn't really explained there's there's a lot of weird moments in Jurassic world. Now, this is going to get super nerdy. So I apologize, but like, no, go ahead. Um, I, I talked with a few people about this, uh, probably about a year ago, but like, if you look at the, there's a scene in Jurassic world where they're looking at the park map of the control room and they're like, 
um, oh God, we put all the warm bodies in one location, which means, you know, the Indominus can sense heat and it's probably going to come here or whatever. But like, if you look at the map, it's showing like the Cretaceous crews got destroyed and there's like no explanation for what happened there. So like, Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. It makes you wonder. It's like, well, what else happened? We, we're not getting the full picture here. So I hope, and maybe they won't do this, but I think it would be a really cool idea if they did go out of their way to show like, okay, this is why we couldn't ever reopen the park. Because like you said, realistically, you know, like that gorilla, they just shot the gorilla and then like the rest of the, uh, the zoo went normal. And I feel like the only, the difference between that and Jurassic world would be like people suing because they got hurt. But at the same time, like Masrani has a lot of money. So it's, I don't know if that would really shut the park down, but now if this thing was like wandering in and out of other, well, it did wander out of the uh, Apatosaurus paddock because we saw it uh, kill those animals. But there, I, I would like to see an explanation of how they all got out. Like all the dinosaurs got out. Um, obviously we know the T-Rex was let out by Claire herself, which also that's another thing we could talk about later. How's the T-Rex going to like, factor into any of this but um oh yeah 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 it's a little strange to think of that's like well is that like is that just a part of the intro or is that like gonna actually be something that we see but oh well you know what i haven't actually thought about this don't they say that this story takes place during and after jurassic world i could have swore i heard somebody say that maybe i know and i might have said it because i i think if, if it's not official then i've definitely said it i my theory my theory is, and I'm going to basically just spoil the very ending of this trailer, which I'm assuming everyone has seen, but like my, there's the, the walkie talkie, right? And it, it's mm-hmm. like calling, it's calling the front desk of, I'm assuming Camp Cretaceous, right? So my theory is that most of this show takes place after Jurassic World is evacuated. And these kids are like, they missed the call to be evacuated because something went wrong at Camp Cretaceous first. If that that's makes a cool sense. premise. I, I, I mean, I, I'd still want to see how the other dinosaurs got out, but like, I still think that's kind of a cool epilogue to Jurassic World. Yeah, it's kind of like the the way I picture it. Right, is that like the Indominus breaks out in Jurassic World and runs through Camp Cretaceous um, and kind of terrorizes that area, and before Claire or anybody else at headquarters like makes the call to like hey we have to evacuate these kids are already like on their way to the to the main part of the park like that's my theory mm-hmm. um and so we'll see we'll see how accurate that is and so yeah then i think like you know you basically go to like maybe like episode two and it's now like the park has been evacuated and we are what do we do like we're stranded we're just trying to get to like some communications tower or something. I mean, whatever the MacGuffin is, right? Of this, I think it could work series. really well if they do that because that's similar in structure to how the, the first three movies are, which structurally they're all very similar where it's just like, you know, we're at this place, we lose communication, we have to find off these dinosaurs and get either a radio or, you know, in Jurassic Park, it was like they had to cut the power back on and Lost World, they had to get to the operations building and then JP3, they had to dig the the phone out of the poop and you know then you call the helicopter and get out so if that's what the bulk of camp cretaceous is that would be very interesting to see post jurassic world um but 
at the same time, I do wonder, like, that means the Indominus is only going to be in, like, a couple of these episodes, though, right? Because it died. But, yeah, but I mean, like, I guess, oh, ooh, ooh, wow. I mean, I guess I kind of hope that's the case. Like, because they're already marketing, like, I have, like, Toro as, I got, like, the toy, oh, right? Yeah, and yeah, I'm, yeah. Ass- I'm assuming they're, like, marketing this as, like, a new, as a new character, at least, or a new uh, bipedal animal that the kids have to, like, run from. And to me, mm-hmm. like, that's more interesting than just the Indominus for, like, let's say, seven episodes, right? I don't know. Um, yeah, see, that's what I was – and I brought this up earlier about it becoming repetitive with, like, the Scooby-Doo thing. Oh, it's the Indominus again, you know, like, hide yeah. here or hide there. So that could very well be what they're doing. And with the T-Rex being loose, you know, at the at the, at the end of Jurassic World – if that if that shot is really in this this series, like where it breaks through the gates, that's really cool. Like I don't care what anybody says, but seeing the T Rex burst through the Jurassic Park gates to me, like when I saw that at the very end of the trailer, I was like, yeah, that's that's that actually really made me smile. So yeah, um, it, would it be is cool. cool. You know, I I wonder because I've kind of I think I might have told Brad this or even said it in the podcast. It's like if Jurassic Park was ever to be just 100% rebooted or, like, retold or remade, like, I don't necessarily want Jurassic Park and then the Lost World and then whatever else they have. I want, I want, like, because the Lord of the Rings is is structurally the same exact thing. It's, we have to walk from point A to point B. (laughs) And Jurassic Park is that same thing. We have to walk from point A to point B. I would love a trilogy that is just the Jurassic Park story and like Ooh. maybe it, and it's just it's just about Alan and the kids walking. Maybe it picks up from the very beginning, the T-Rex attack on the, on the cars. And maybe you get like flashbacks teaching you about how dinosaurs are made. Like maybe it's not like a linear like narrative, like the first movie is structured. But like I would love it if like the beginning of that like of this hypothetical reboot is the t-rex attack on the cars you barely ever see the t-rex you maybe only see its foot you maybe only see like its jaws but you never see like the animal right and then i would love if it's like you only ever hear raptors in the distance like you never see them for like two movies you know and like and it just maybe culminates in in all these different things but i always thought that would be a great way to like actually explore the park the in the way that kind of Crichton developed it um, yeah. where you were seeing the abandoned Pteranodon exhibit. You were seeing um, the the sheds where they keep all the, the tools. You were seeing the feeders. You were seeing um, power structures. Like, I don't know. Just I, I just thought that'd be a cool idea. Um, but and maybe this is kind of that. You know, that'd be really awesome. I hope so, because that's something that I think a lot of people are, would be really interested in seeing is it's hard to do this in a movie because – like in the book, they literally do go to like each individual exhibit while they're like almost like a TV show, really. You know, yeah. you've got one episode was like the uh, uh, the river raft part. And then the other episode was like the part where you get to the Dilophosaurs that are like making their. Well, I guess that was pretty similar in the same part of the book. But anyway, there's a lot of different exhibits. <laughs> um, I think if this show proves successful, I know they talked about or Colin Trevorrow said in some obscure interview that you're going to be surprised at where this ends and that it could have the potential of either them doing another series or like a season two or something. So 
if this is like a show that just goes through like all of the Jurassic World exhibits, you know, like we stop at the Cretaceous Cruise, we stop at the Pachycephalosaurus Arena and uh, the Mosasaurus Lagoon, maybe another one will be something completely different. But it's interesting. I I think that could actually be what this this show is. It's just kind of like exploring all of Jurassic World and not necessarily just these kids surviving in the jungle. Um, but yeah, it could be. Yeah. Looks neat. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of skip forward. Cause I feel like, all right, we've seen, uh, well, I'm going to skip past the first shot of the Carnotaur cause it's very short. It's like almost impossible to yeah. see. Um, we've got the Tranodons flying, which is something that we've seen before. Um, it's, it's kind of obvious that this is the, uh, they're running at the same point that like, Owen and Claire are running from these animals. Um, we've got more shots of the uh, gliders uh, or the the uh, what are these? What do they call that? They're not gliders. What do they call them? The thing? yeah, like uh, a zip line. Yep. Um, we then see a. It's not Ceratosaurus. What is this? This is uh, oh, not the Triceratops. Oh my gosh! What I'm Sinoceratops. Oh. We see the Sinoceratops in what we can assume is Gyrosphere Valley. I think this is very cool. I think it's a way to tie in uh, Fallen Kingdom to what is definitely a very Jurassic World, mm-hmm. uh, you know, movie. Um, what do you think about these gyrospheres being out? I know Tom is very excited because it would it gives kind of an answer as to why there's gyrospheres in the valley uh, in Fallen Kingdom. Oh wow! But did you I, not I, did you not know that? I did well. I I didn't think about right them right, right. eating like a reason to be. <laughs> that would be cool if that lined up with that. I would be really really excited actually. Well, um, because in the in Jurassic World, Lowry's like, no, they're all in. Like I've got all of them. And then yeah, like there's like, right. he's like, oh no, there's the one right, which is your which is your two nephews. But then you're in Fallen Kingdom, and there's like a gyrosphere just hanging out in the field. Yeah, I think right? there's more actually. Um, I don't know there if they're in the be. final cut, but they're like they're like overgrown and broken like around different areas, but that, that's really cool. If they line that up, that's actually, that's so fun. I, I know yeah. that most people are like, who cares, but that's, so, that's a cool. No, that's, <laughs> that's cool to me too. Um, now here is like the, this is like the first shot that I got really, really excited about next, which is the Carnotaur in what I'm assuming is like the underground tunnels. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> this is awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, one of the coolest parts of Jurassic Park, the game, uh, mm. was was the underground tunnels, and I love the fact that like it's not raptors hunting them in the underground tunnels. I love that it's this big carnotaur in this tunnel. Yeah, um, I I think it's awesome. The red lights, the the steam in the background, it's just it's just so incredibly cool. No clue how these kids are gonna outrun this thing, but yeah, you know what it reminds me of actually is the Carnosaur movies where they had like a yeah. similar. Those were really bad, but this looks good. So uh, it it's a cool aesthetic that I haven't really seen outside of Jurassic Park. The game. Like we don't get anything like that in the 1993 movie or the Lost World, or no. certainly not any of the other ones. So it's it's I think just that red light and just them running through with these big industrial pipes like on the side. It's, it's so, so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> um, and then we're gonna get to uh, it. Looks like it looks like one of the kids is stuck in the Raptor squad pit, which again, weird. How is this going to tie in? When is this? This is obviously before they get let out by Owen. So, you know, we'll, we'll find out how that connects. Um, 
Sorry, I'm just trying to like get through Trin. All right, so the the next big thing that everyone is or that's new, I should say, is oh, it's very quick. There's something in the water, and it's like, what is this thing? They're on canoes. They're obviously by because we see the hotel in the background. They're obviously by Main Street. Mm-hmm. Is this this does not look like the Mosasaurus? Yeah, I didn't think it did either. I I think that's what it is, but like. I, the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, what is that? Is that like a, a Dinosuchus or like a Baryonyx or a Suchomimus? But like the more like people screamed at me, like when I first said they're like, no, Clayton's clearly the Mosasaurus. And I was like, well, well, hold on a minute. If it's clearly the Mosasaurus, then there's no way they could possibly survive this like situation. But I don't know. Like to me, this is very cool. Like I wish this was in live action. This would be extremely suspenseful. Yeah. Um, but again, like you said, they're in these canoes. And I think I think that is the Mosasaurus, and I I have no idea how they how they even remotely get away. Like, don't get me wrong, it sounds cool and scary, but at the same time, the back of my mind, I'm kind of like, what? <laughs> oh, but now here's something really interesting. So I'm I'm going through, and I was say the next thing that I enjoy is the is the Indominus. Um, chasing uh one of the uh, kids in the, uh, yeah big container in the big containers so like containers are really cool to me because like i used to live uh i used to live in orlando and when you drive the back roads of disney and universal they just have these big container crates like this and it's so not appealing you would never see these in like the actual parks but like they're just filled with like toys and food products and uh utensils like it's just utilitarian like things and i kind of love this what I'm noticing about this image, and this maybe doesn't bode well for my theory, Darius is pretty stripped down here. He doesn't have his yellow jacket. That's his true. white shirt is torn up. So you have to assume that this has got to be some kind of finale type situation. Mm, that's a very good point. Yeah, I um, his shirt is torn up. He's not got his jacket. This could be like, oh, man. I don't know what that means, though, because... If, if this literally, if all eight episodes take place, like, before the Indominus Rex gets killed, um, what does that mean, like, for the show in general? I don't you know. You are right. This has to be, like, I mean, I, I highly doubt that this is, like, episode two. And watch it. It'll be episode two when we actually watch this thing. Can you um, Can you imagine... Could you imagine if all of this happens in like the first two episodes? That's pretty crazy. I mean, it would be exciting for me, but I don't know. Uh, I, this this has to be like the the last two raw for the Indominus, right? Like, I mean, no, it's in it's in the middle of the day. Well, yeah, but Darius has got he, he's like been. By the way, what happened to him? Like, it didn't viciously hurt him. He's not bleeding anywhere. No, um, but like, it, so if you ever watch like the bonus features, oh wow, we're already at 52 minutes talking about this trailer. <laughs> if you watch like the bonus features on like uh, War of the Worlds with Steven Spielberg, they they had the wardrobe designer and she talked about how like at the beginning of the movie, they had Tom Cruise wearing all kinds of layers, right? And it was right, supposed right. to represent like, he he's wearing all these layers, he's, he's kind of closed off to his kid the layers represent him like kind of having his life together, but like kind of not really because like he's got all this stuff going on outside. So like the layers were kind of like this thing that were containing him. And then throughout that movie, you notice that like 
he starts shedding layer after layer in that movie until he's down to like just his like t-shirt. And so it represents kind of like the wearing down of like the hero, like the hero losing their shell or like coming out of the shell or like accepting like responsibility. Right. And they're marketing Darius a lot to be the hero of the show. And maybe, I mean, I don't, maybe they're thinking along these lines as well, but like maybe by the end of this show, it is Darius and they did it in Jurassic park as well. Right. Like they're all wearing like three layers of, of clothes until the end. Like Malcolm doesn't even have a shirt on by the end. You know what I'm saying? In Jurassic world, she went through like that great, uh, tear down, I guess you could say, but, um, it's a good point. So do you think this is like one of the last episodes? I don't know. I like I I couldn't tell you. I mean, I don't again. I don't know if a, if an animated kid series is going to really think that deeply about oh, wardrobe sure, yeah. choices, but um, I mean, you never know. I don't know. Um, so as we continue through here, we've got the uh, girl on the shark wire oh, yeah. uh, being almost eaten by the mosasaur. This is not. There's no way she survives this. I mean, she will because it's a kids show. But yeah. like, there's no way she survives this. Um. All right, and so oh, we're only in the geez, we're in the middle. We got a cruise. Um, we've got the walkie-talkie, right? And this is I kind of talked about this, so I'm going to skip past it. It looks like they're being called to evacuate. In my opinion, mm. um, camp is open. Uh, Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous, and then oh, I guess that would, oh, and then the T Rex like breaks out through the gates, and then the next wow, that was the end. Why yeah. they spent they spent literally half that trailer with badging. Okay, cool. Um so I mean that's the trailer. We've talked about literally everything in it. Uh, where do you like where's your excitement level, man? Like are you Oh a five, uh, a seven? Yeah, I think I'm at about a seven. Uh before seeing it, I was like, you know, I don't know what to expect is it gonna be canon? Is it gonna be uh low budget? Is it gonna be entertaining for everyone? But after seeing it I'm I'm going in excited. I, I wouldn't say I'm going in as excited as like any of the movies um, or even something like Battle at Big Rock, but I'm going in going like, yeah, this, this, uh, the trailer surprised me. So I'm excited to see where they take this thing. Uh, no, not really anything overtly negative, a few confusing things, but it's a trailer. It's, it's an animated series. So I'm kind of just rolling with it. Yeah. So I think it's pretty interesting. Do you have like any final thoughts then, I guess? Cause like, I'm kind of in the same thing as you, like I'm excited, but like, I don't even know if this is like for me, like a, well, it's going to be a day one watch unless it, no, this is going to be a Saturday watch. So like for me, like, I don't even know if this is day one because it comes out on the 18th, which is a Friday, I believe. Huh. I mean, I, yeah. I guess I can figure it out like on Friday and watch it, but I actually really want to wake up the following Saturday and cruise through this thing. So yeah, like I, I want to wake up Saturday morning and get like sugar cereal, you know, <laughs> that's probably what it was intended to be like, but uh, yeah, um, I'll probably watch it as soon as it drops just so I could, I feel like I'd be obligated to for the video's sake and like, being Oh sure. Thing. Yeah. But um, as far as personal excitement, yeah. I mean, if I didn't do this, I'd still be interested. I, again, I don't know if it'd be day one, though. Like, you're right. Probably the following day. That's a good way to put it. All right. Yeah, that's fair enough. 
Um, all right, let's shift over because, like I said, we've been an hour on this one trailer, which I think I think Brad and Tom like also like like hammer this into the ground too. So like, there's now like definitely like three or four hours of breaking down this two minute trailer, yeah, um, on the Jurassic Park podcast content pages. So um, let's move on to these set images that have come out, and uh, those these also came out like a few days after the last uh, iteration of the Wire, and. I'm trying to think. Do you remember which one was first? I think the box was first. Yeah. The so the box came out first, and then they uh, did the other stuff. But yeah, the box okay. was the first time where they were like, "Oh, look, look at the bottom, site B," and and you know everybody made a big deal about that. But uh, yeah. So what are your thoughts? Like, what are your thoughts on this box? Like, what do you, where do you think this is? When do you think this is? Who has control of this box? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, well. I guess this has been talked about a lot already, but if we just look in the background, we can see that there's a, a wired telephone on the wall. A lot of the architecture, like the red tape on the ground and the fossilized thing in the wall, I'm pretty sure this is the 1990s. Um, I actually don't know. I didn't even think about who could be in possession of the box. I, I guess it's engine. I don't think this is going to be on Isla Sorna. I do think this is on Isla Nublar and what they're doing here is just showing like a crate of embryos that has been set over from the Island. Yeah. But I'm not so sure on, maybe this is that flashback that everybody keeps talking about. Um, uh, I guess it's, it's really, I know a lot of people got excited because they're like, Oh my God, look, uh, Isla Sorna. But I'm one of those people like Isla Sorna was mentioned in fallen kingdom. I know people like to think that it wasn't, but it, it was. And like, I, I feel like I don't really want another movie back there entirely if it's going to be the same thing we've already seen. Now, if they like, let's say they do go to Isla Sorna in this movie and let's say they do like a quick little adventure like Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi or something. Okay, right. Maybe that's where this is from. But then I still don't think that's the case because everything's looking so clean and pristine. I I really don't know what I I think this is on Nublar, to tell you the truth. And I think it's a flashback in either 1993 or before. Uh, that's kind of everything I think about the box. My my initial thought, and so, like, we're talking about the box as if, like, someone who hasn't seen it knows what it is. It's basically, in Jurassic World, it's Wu's embryonic, like, freezer box that he mm-hmm. has. Um, and it's, yeah, it is. It's definitely, this is images in the 90s. Now, my original thought was, we're going to see a lab on Sorna. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think enough, I think it's been pointed out and clarified kind of that there's too many things that line up with the fact that this is the lab on Nublar. And you say that like, Oh, you think it's, it's a box being like coming from Sorna. I'm actually of the, I'm actually of kind of the opposite mind. I think, yes, it does say Sorna. So I think the ownership of that box is like, you know, like an inventory. Like, do you remember, like, maybe you didn't, I don't know, but like in high school, right? Like for us, like all the sports equipment and all the band equipment had like, had like HHS, like spray painted onto yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just to show like, Hey, this goes in this room or this belongs to this department or whatever. And so I think this box originates from Sorna, but like, I think it's, I think we're on Nublar and I think we're shipping embryos to Sorna. Ooh. Okay. Well, that, that would work either way. I mean, let's say they, they build the embryos in Sorna or I'm sorry, on Nublar and then they ship them out to site B to actually 
it hatch them or whatever. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be an exclusive direction, right? So like we know that Sorna is quote the factory floor, right? Like we get mm-hmm. that information from Hammond, right? And we have to use the Lost World because before Jurassic Park, everything is made on Nublar. Before we're right. introduced to this concept of of Sorna, right? Right. But and he says Nublar was the showcase. Now. There's obviously real science happening. They're not fake doctors and scientists. Like (laughs) they're not like on display in that way, but it's kind of like, and maybe you never had a chance to do this, but like when I was a kid, you could literally go to, I want to say MGM studios at Disney and you could walk in a glass hallway and look down on the animation floor and you could literally see them working on like films back in those days wow um yeah it was really it was really cool and so like my thought process on the way this works and i've had discussions with various people about this and like there's a few hiccups like the stegosaurus is a big hiccup for me um but and i'll maybe i'll branch into that in a second but like i think that just because an animal is being hatched or being the embryo is being done on sorna doesn't mean that there can't be new innovations happening on nublar or some eggs being uh created on nublar because we know we know that the animals can't be released into a cage right away like hammond clarifies that that the animals had to basically be set free for a while because they were having problems with now am i drawing from the book they were having problems with like the animals dying in captivity at such a young age that's yeah, got to be the book. That's from a few things, but um, yeah, well, there's a whole nursery in the book, but you do wonder in the original Jurassic Park, there's that scene where Donald Gennaro's like, are these characters auto or, or yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. No, no, these are the real uh, miracle workers at Jurassic Park. And, you know, they're, they are, they are hatching dinosaurs there. Um, so there has to be something going on on Nublar that is, uh, we, we we totally weren't filled in all the way in the first see, movie. Like, let's say those raptors that we see hatch, um, that that Hammond saw hatch when everybody got up out of their seat. I've always thought, you know, maybe that's to like rebuild the population on Isla Nublar because the raptors were killing each other. Um, but obviously, in the second movie, we do know that you know they hatched out a ton of animals on Site B, so. I think you're right in the sense that there has to be a joint work going on here. Like there, there has to be for it to make like, sense really, because they wouldn't build this whole lab and have all these eggs ready to hatch and like be turned by this mechanical hand. If it literally was only to, you know, have people wave and forget about in five seconds when they go look at the rest of the cartoon. But um, right. yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think I agree with you in that it, this is Nublar and it's, it's got something to do with like some work that they're doing there. I think it's, I think this title on this box is literally nothing more than the blurb that they say Sorna in, uh, in Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. yeah right? I like, think it's just like, Site B exists. There you yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. It exists. Like it's part of our, it's part of our canonical world. Um, yeah. you know, like I think about the Raptor that was hatched right on in the movie, the first movie. And, my assumption is like, because people like people get caught up on this, like, well, it hatched on Nublar, so it's got to stay there. I'm like, why? These things are like the size of cats. Like, right, put yeah. them put them in a box, 
and ship them to the dinosaur raising facility over on Sorna. Like, this isn't a big deal, and I think the fact that this box has some kind of, like, ownership, like, Sorna has some kind of ownership over this box, just proves that this shipping relationship between the two islands was was a back and forth, like, no big deal, right? Hmm. Um, so anyway, those are kind of my thoughts on it. Um, I don't know if you have any other final things, because we can kind of move over to this compy image, which... <laughs> This is where my hot takes come in. What did you think of this compy image that was released of these animatronic puppet dinosaurs? Well, okay, so I don't even know if they're animatronics. Now, I would assume that these are like very low mobility, uh, like, uh, oh, God, what's his name? The little guy in Jabba's tail. Um, uh, oh, I don't know. Like, I, You know what I mean, though, right? Yeah, like th- yeah. that, that level of movement. And um, immediately I saw this and I was like, hey, this is this is a pretty cool image. I wonder what other people think about it. And I showed it to my dad. My dad is who I use to like gauge Jurassic with because he he's, he's brutally honest, but he's also like the average like moviegoer. Yeah. And the first thing he said is like, I think they're going to get out (laughs) when they're like halfway (laughs) sticking through the like bars right there. So the logistics um, of this box don't exactly make sense. Yeah, yeah I can see like, that. It looks like they're uh they're having trouble containing these copies. <laughs> but uh okay, so my thoughts on it are these little dinosaurs are either a part of I guess a roundup operation where they they caught a few that got out at the end of fallen kingdom or maybe this is like a black market where they're selling screwed up pets to people like that one thing oh i didn't even think of that like you know you you have your yeah your drug lord that's like oh what should i get to stroke at night instead of a big white cat i'll get like a little compy or something um i don't know like i i look at this image and i go okay the compies look like they're gonna break out I don't know what kind of facility we're in. A lot of people have said that it could be Malta because of the background. Like it looks similar to the architecture where we know that they were going to be filming. But, uh, well, wait, does this not just look like the back of a film? Like this looks like a behind the set. It probably is Pinewood Studios, but I've heard people assume that it's Malta. So, um, I I don't know. I mean, I think it is Pinewood, but I guess the only real thing I have to say is these are some chubby looking compies and I don't think that they're animatronics. I, I Thank think you. Well, they are chubby. They're, they're chubby and they've, uh, their teeth are like really pronounced, right? Like almost feral. Uh, they're, 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 I don't think they're radically different to what we see in lost world, but they're definitely different. Like this is a variation on what we've seen before. Now, whether that's, um, I don't even I, I doubt they'll try to explain it like I think they'll go the route of like Jurassic Park three with the Raptors are like, oh, these are just different copies I, because they're not they don't have like feathers or anything. They're not like radically different, but you can tell like, OK, these are bigger and they look a little bit meaner than the ones that killed Dieter. If you, do you know what I mean here? Yeah. That making any sense? Oh, no, totally. Like so. So the it's got to be the most controversial thing I've ever said on Twitter. I got like legit yeah, I people. <laughs> I got legit people like hating me, right? Um I said these are off reference. Now, mm. when I say that, I'm not I, oh, my my original thing was, look, whether cuz I personally I don't love this design, right? This redesign that's happened, but that's not that's not the argument. It's not really it's not my it's not important whether or not I like it or dislike it. To an artist, 
this is off reference. And so when I say that, it's it's just a matter of of black and white. And people right, got right. you know people got mad. They're like, well, you know, artist artist spin and artist you know they got to have some ownership over. It. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You are talking to a artist who works <laughs> in the film industry, right? And, on these films, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and so like. I, not not in the 2D aspect of it, but like all my training, all of what I do is about like I'm taking uh, I'm taking some online lighting courses right now, and all I even with lighting courses, I turn in my my final image, and I have to turn it in with reference because they say you, you can't just make this stuff up in your head. You're not as VFX artists, we're not allowed interpretation we're only allowed allowed the vision of uh the creator of of the project right and so to me the creator of the compi that is the jurassic park compi is uh ilm and uh oh my gosh stan winston studios right so like mccreary to me is the creator of all of these animals and when you start deviating you're off reference. Now that's again, whether or not these look good or bad is really not the conversation. The conversation, and I said these, they're just simply off reference. They're just off putting to me a little bit because they don't match the thing that one, I love and two, the thing that I know an artist was basically tasked to make work. Sure. Does that make sense? Well, I think, and even more to, to like help support what you're saying here. It's not like this is the first time we've seen compies in like 20 years. They look very different in Fallen Kingdom. Like Fallen Kingdom looked more like the Lost World ones than these guys. So in continuity, it's kind of like, well, what what happened here? Are these the same animals? Are these like, which I, I don't know. Personally, like if we compare the Lost World Jurassic Park, and I mean, I guess we have to include Jurassic Park 3 because they are technically in there too. Yeah. But those two movies in Fallen Kingdom, the compies, as far as like a structural level, like with their their build and stuff like that, they've got a much more thinner neck. They're much more springy. Uh, the skull, I think, is a bit smaller. Maybe the eyes aren't so colorful. And definitely the teeth aren't aren't as pronounced and, and, and sharp and gnarly looking. But these guys are totally different. And you are correct. It's something's different here now i actually i'm of the opinion where i'm pretty sure like this isn't the final i i think they're gonna adjust this look like because I, they could cover this with cg like they did the uh, battle of big rock allosaurus animatronic but it still makes you wonder why were they uh created like this because you would think the ilm already built the asset for the compsignathus in jurassic world fallen kingdom right so wouldn't they just 3D print that into a practical effect? Whereas if we look at what we're looking at here, uh, they didn't do that. <laughs> like this is a different looking animal. Yeah, it's it's weird because like we know that it can be done because we've seen a puppet. I'm not going to say a puppet. It's a, it, Technically, I think the original compu is a marionette um, from Stan Winston Studios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think... Is anim- I don't think animatronic is even really the right word because I don't know if there's actual robotics inside of it. Um, yeah. I feel like robotics could actually fit inside these creatures. Oh, wow. Oh, they could. You, that might be why they're bigger. You think? Uh. I, I, I think that animatronics could, could fit inside of this. And 
at the end of the day, it's all going to boil down to how they move. I look at this second from the left one, this, like, got the grin, and, like, all I see, all I see is gremlins and that, like, mean gremlin sitting with, like, the cigar in his mouth, like, in the, <laughs> in the leather chair. Like, that's all I see. And so my whole thing was, like, is there, like, oh, look, we have animatronics in Dominion, and it's, like, but you're, 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 now I'm hyper-focused on this image, and I think it's awesome, and I think it's great, but, like, I, you gave me one image to stare at for the next year before this movie comes out, right? So, like, right. That, that might be, that might be why they look different, actually. Like, if, I'm not an expert on animatronics or, like, no, me neither, me neither. Like, what if that is why they're bigger is so that they could have those wires and like connections, yeah, like actually move around. Like, and you know, it's interesting. We we don't see the back. That might be why they're sticking so far out of this box is so that you can see them move around and jerk about. Yeah. I, I did not think about that at all. I, that's just gotta be, that's just gotta be it. Right. It's that there's, there's circuitry going on in there. The, the, the framework, the rig to like, have these animals stand upright and and move again it just boils down to how they move and i don't understand why the compy you would ever I mean, again prove me wrong trevaro like I, like again i'm happy to be proven wrong but like when i look at how the compies move in the lost world i much prefer the cg one they move oh, totally. like a they move 100%. like an ele- yeah they move like an elegant little bird and the marionette ones that stan winston did they're they just stand there or like even when they're attached to Dieter, they're like very obviously like Velcroed to him. Yeah, they like um, bite like to the right and then they bite to the left and then they, they just kind of do the same thing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It, it it's definitely the compies, in my opinion, are probably the least uh, they would be at the bottom of my list for like that needs to be practical. Well, but <laughs> I mean, maybe, but like they're also kind of at the bottom of my list for like that needs to be a hundred percent accurate you know what i'm saying like well, yeah, that's com- a good point too yeah i'm complaining about the inaccuracies inaccuracies of this but like at the end of the day like it's compies there i don't think they're going to be any giant like plot point or anything so like we'll see maybe they are who knows i, I know. have a, i have a feeling this is my theory i think what, what you said about the wiring and stuff is probably 110 percent correct that's why they look bigger and fatter and i think that somewhere down the line just like Jurassic Park 3 and just like some of the other movies, they'll be like, the reason these compies are bigger is because X, Y, Z. Oh, no, but see, that's the stuff I just, I can't <laughs> anymore, man. Like, it was, it's one thing to do that, like, once or twice, but I feel like that's all we've been doing for well, the last, like, five years. It's just, well, actually. Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, people... I get it. Jurassic Park's a dinosaur franchise and people love the dinosaurs. They love, you know, the designs of the dinosaurs and how the dinosaurs move. But like when you had the first movie, the dinosaurs across the board looked, there was one finite design, even though there's like that scene that a lot of people have debated with like, Oh, what kind of eggs did Grant find? I I think he found raptor eggs because those look like raptor footprints. And we know that the dinosaurs were changing sex, but like, let's say one of the raptors was a male it still looked just like all the other Raptors. Like there was no variation. And then you get to lost world and we've got different colored parasaurs and, and different colored T-Rexes and different colored, uh, uh, what no, was the other but, one? but the, the but, Raptors, 
so it's like males versus females. But then you get to Jurassic Park three, and that idea is like thrown out the window. It's like there's there's so many different versions of dinosaurs. Now you got a new colored Stegosaurus and a, a zebra Triceratops, and the Raptors are now you've got new male and female versions and new Brachiosaurus. So it's like I feel but, like there's no rules for that. Like, does that make sense? Like, there's just different colored dinosaurs. So it does, but you're actually making like you're making kind of the same assumption that I made. I've gone all this time up until like two months ago thinking that the crate in the beginning of Jurassic Park after of course the lost world I was under the assumption that that was a crate being delivered from Sorna but oh. it's not it's it's coming from like a broken down raptor the raptor pen, pack yeah right okay so hear me out your whole thing about if is there a male does it look like does it it should look like just the others that's not a hundred percent accurate because you're making the assumption that I, at least I think you are. You're making the assumption that the raptors we see in the movie laid those eggs. Well, it, yeah, I I'm loosely making that assumption. Yeah, right. So like, you can't actually make that assumption because it is it is to Hammond and everyone else's knowledge that they have every single raptor in that paddock. Right. Yeah. But wait. But then where does it's like a chicken and the egg thing, right? Like. Well, I mean, we don't really know enough. Like, there's still some. Have you heard the theories that the big one is is the raptor that kills Muldoon and the raptor that was delivered in the box? And the like, I don't believe any of that. I think that raptor at the beginning of Jurassic Park, they killed, they shot that thing. Um, there's the whole shooter. Oh, you, yeah. So, like, I don't think that. I think a lot of people love to theorize about these these movies, and I don't. Frankly, I don't think we have enough evidence to like explain, like going back to these compies. I don't think this film will offer up any explanation. Like, even in the lost world, nobody specifically turns to the camera and says, the green T-Rexes are boys, <laughs> you know? like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I think that it'll be more like, oh, hey, that one looks different. Let me go look at the uh, website. Yep, it's version C <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, so I don't know. I th- I think these will just be compies. I don't think we're ever going to get any kind of reasoning as to why they're a little bit different. I th- I literally think the reason they're different is just because it's a completely different studio working on them. And Could be, yeah. There's I think I think there's practicalities to these things being practical and not CG. So we'll find out. I mean, Dominion's coming out apparently next year still, so um we'll, we'll know then. Yeah. Um Let's see. What's what's the next thing on my list here? I think it was... We're going to talk about this book, right? Is that the next thing that I've got listed? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm going to talk about a Jurassic Park book. And I debated if I even <laughs> wanted to talk about this. Um, I'm trying to think if I want to do this first. You know what? I'll tell you what. That's a little teaser. We're going to talk about a book at the end. Let's talk about Jurassic Park franchise. Let's talk about the Jurassic Park franchise now averaging $1 billion per... Uh, film in the Jurassic franchise. I want to say this is an Outpost article. I, d- I looked for their source because usually they have sources. Um, I think this is them. I think this is them. They they sat down yeah. and did the math and, and figured it out. And uh, yeah, first major franchise to hit a billion dollars average per film. Like, what? That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's very surreal. I mean, it's it's surreal for a number of reasons because you look at all the other big names like Marvel, DC, Star Wars, even something like Harry Potter. Um, 
you would think one of those would hit it first because they've been making more movies and and more recently Jurassic World just started back up like five years ago. So I think I mean, it, it actually surprises me. And I know that it's obviously there's going to be people this is going to spur a whole bunch of headlines like, oh, Jurassic Park still shouldn't be a franchise. But it's like there's something to take away there. Like, how did this one become the one the first one? to average a billion per film. Obviously, I know there's a really funny comment under Jurassic Outpost Twitter thing where someone has a gif of a guy dragging like someone that's dead off the floor and it's like <laughs> Jurassic World movies like grab <laughs> yeah, pulling JP3 slack. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's that's accurate, but um I do wonder, you know, uh what does that say about the franchise and and more importantly the audience because obviously I mean, it doesn't get like that for no reason. People are showing up to watch these things, apart from just people like us that are mega fans. So, yeah, I thought it was very interesting. I think it says, to be quite honest with you, I think it says that there's no room. That sounds so negative, though. I don't want to say it like that. Like, obviously, these are mega popular things, right? But I think that, like, I mean, Transformers. I feel like Transformers 3 hit a billion dollars, right? But then you have a movie like like Bumblebee that kind of like dragged it down, even though Bumblebee's phenomenal compared to most of the other Transformers movies. But like, it didn't do very well at the box office. Um, And I think just the damage was done um, with Transformers 4 and 5, like already by that point. But but those made a billion dollars regardless. So it's crazy to me. But then, yeah, you have to look at like all the re-releases that Jurassic gets. And like Jurassic Park recently being number one at the box office. Yeah, that has a lot to do with it. It does. But like, come on, like, how can it be number one at the box office? Most of the world is shut down. So you're telling me that like it, I mean, being number one, five weeks into COVID isn't really like, like, I feel like, (laughs) I I see what you're saying. (laughs) I feel like you could release anything and be number one. Like, you know, like if Jurassic Park three came out, it would have been like, oh, Jurassic Park three. Oh, hey, one at the box office. That's a good point. Um, I I look at it though I look at it in a way like Jurassic Park when it first came out was it it was the highest grossing movie that that was ever made but it wasn't quite a billion dollars yet it wouldn't get that way until 2013 now when it hit a billion you look at the other two Lost World was a little over 600 million and JP3 a little, little over 300 million so you've got basically if you add them all together then you get 2 billion which is averaging like 1.5 billion for the trilogy yeah so it really was jurassic world which astronomical number like 1.67 billion that definitely bolstered the numbers up but i also did hear that fallen kingdom got like a slight re-release overseas during covid and that has attributed to at least like a few hundred thousand dollars um yeah but uh it, well, I mean, Fallen Kingdom alone before that was like 1.3 billion. So we're really looking at three movies here taking the lion's share of the profit: the original and the two newer ones. Um, but I well, still think, I mean, as far as the franchises, uh, what am I? How should I put this? I think comparing it to Transformers is there's something there, but I don't think that that's the full picture because transformers kind of, like you said, it, it whittled away. And by the time you get to Bumblebee, it was too late. Like it, it, it died. Um, I feel like you could see that happen in the original trilogy. And then like 
these newer movies have bolstered the franchise forward to being like, oh, look, now every movie is like averaging a billion, even though, I mean, technically we know that's not what happened. That's just because the new movies have been successful. But yeah, I, I, I think that there's something here about um, I, I definitely think the people that are constantly, you know, fighting against the people saying Jurassic Park doesn't deserve to be a franchise. I, I feel like they have like a little victory here. Like, hey, people actually care. Um but they, I also don't think I don't think any of these movies. Well, let me rephrase that. Um, I don't think any of these movies, bar JP three, are quite as bad as like some of the Transformer sequels. And, and like, hey, I know there's three Jurassic Park. There. No, Jurassic Park three is better than I. Jurassic Park three is better than half of the Transformers saga. Like, it's, it's, I think it's I, definitely better than the Last Night and probably Age of Extinction. Um, I don't remember some of the other ones enough to. Like give an opinion. Oh, if dude, those those four and five, man. Wow, what a yeah, they're really five they're is really, really bad. I, I, really, I talked really about it in a bad. in the WhatsApp group. Like the aspect ratio changing that oh, drove dude. me insane. I was like, it's why? So bad. It's so bad. Um, I think it's interesting because like when you compare it to Star Wars, Star Wars. So what you have to understand about like movies going into China, like as as that being just a huge market for mm. for American film now, like. China doesn't necessarily respond to Star Wars as well as they do like Transformers and apparently dinosaurs. Like there's, I think you have to understand more. I think there's more nuance to what's going on in Star Wars. Um, which is why like think things that like, you don't have to understand the language one-to-one. Um, I think do really well over in China. I think like when you're watching Star Wars, it's not clear what's happening you have to hear the dialogue and you have to understand the dialogue. You can't have like a bad, like dub or like a bad, um, localization or whatever. Like, so I feel like, and I don't even know if they got star Wars in the seventies. I kind of doubt it. Like I kind of doubt no, they even uh, given that. They so, did actually. I don't think they got the sequels to Jurassic park either, actually. Um, so like they kind of go into, they kind of go into these newer star Wars movies because the newer star Wars movies don't do as well. Um, and when I say overseas, I mean like China and like, some of those markets over there. Yeah, I think um, even the UK they don't do very well actually. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. It's just it's cuz they're but like you look at like dinosaur, well, everyone understands dinosaur chasing. Right. You know, yeah. Lady, <laughs> right? Like this is this is a universal uh this is a universal idea of monster chasing humans. So like Right, right. You know, I think something like Jurassic is just it just pours into it and again, man, it's just universal like it's a license to print money. You know, yeah, totally. Um, and it being number one, I it's very rare, but I have someone like on my team uh, who we were talking. And it's like, oh, what'd you do this weekend? And she was like, oh, I went and saw a double feature of like Jaws and Jurassic Park. I had never seen them before, and I'm Whoa, like, what? What? Whoa! Um, like <laughs> crazy, right? Like, and I just was like, I I can't talk to you right now. Yeah, these yeah. are these are arguably like in my opinion ju- like so like Jurassic Park is my favorite movie but I'm going to make the I would make the argument that Jaws is probably the most important movie in my opinion ever made like I think oh, wow. that like I think that Jaws like it paves the way for like you know one it's like it's notated as being like the first blockbuster but like sure, yeah. you don't really have Jurassic Park without Jaws and I think that like even Spielberg said like Jurassic Park was his desire to want to do a Jaws, Jaws sequel. sequel, right? Yeah. So, you know, this is it is the spiritual successor to Jaws. Um, 
even though there is a Jaws sequel, I guess. Well, you know, it's ironic you brought that up because I've got like a, a Time magazine that Kathleen Kennedy says herself. She's like, the reason Steven is not going to do Jurassic Park 3 but stay on as executive producer for all of the future films is because he's so upset about how the Jaws sequels turned out. So, But that's that good, kind of, right? Yeah. It, it, Jurassic, I think, is totally born from Jaws. So, yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So, like, for me, it's like I don't get my favorite movie without Jaws. And so when someone says to me I haven't seen either one of these, I'm just like, yeah, it's weird. I'm like, how are we in the same how are we in the same social circle? Like, I don't understand that. Um, so anyway, yeah, a billion dollars. And just imagine like what the toys are doing for that franchise as well, man. Like toys oh, and merchandising, yeah. like it's nowhere near as aggressive as Marvel, but like, I mean, Marvel right now, they just, their Fortnite just announced or just launched their all Marvel season. So it's 10 weeks of collecting Marvel characters. And I'm just like, Oh wow, my really? God. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's normally usually like, you'll get one Marvel character every 10 weeks or whatever. But like now it's like you get a new Marvel character. I think you get like six or seven in the next like 10 week season. But like, all I'm thinking is like, man, dude, give me, give me a Jurassic themed season. Like, so I play Fortnite and I don't know if you do or not, but like, it's, it's just that trope of like, we're going to drop you onto an Island and it's about survival. And I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, God, I know. Give, I've played it a few times. I know like, what it is. Dude, give me, give me a Fortnite, a Jurassic themed Fortnite. Like, take all my money like i just i want to be dropped into an island and i just want to like shoot other survive it's not jurassic whatsoever it's my big argument against jurassic park video games is it's not about shooting but i mean whatever for for fortnite i'll accept it it doesn't matter yeah 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 yeah. um so yeah i mean again big congrats to universal on that and like i think that's great i hope that i hope that it doesn't stop like i just want it to keep going i'm so excited about it yeah yeah, that's that's the big thing right there, though, is that even Colin Trevorrow said them, this himself before. He's like, he he and Steven agree that, like, this is a franchise where it's very easy to have diminishing returns. And I, I mean, we've already seen that before with like, like, OK, they have Universal knows that they've got this big IP in Jurassic Park. They're like, oh, God, this is the biggest movie ever made. They pour tons of millions of dollars into the ride at Universal that opens in 1996 then the lost world comes out and like divides the fan base and audience, but it, it's still a hit. Like lost world may not have been yeah. as successful as Jurassic park, but it was like the most successful movie of 1997 until Titanic and come on Titanic beat like everything. So, but then you do like the other park in 1999 in Orlando. And by the time you get to Jurassic park three and you have this movie that cost more money and made way less. I mean, I think that, I think there was a lot of long conversations at Universal after that. And uh, for them to finally reach a billion per movie now, like 20 years later, I get that there's not that many movies. There's only five movies versus Harry Potter's like, what, 10? So I think, it's, I think we're up to like nine or 10. Yeah. And Harry Potter. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's impressive, but it's also something where you have to look at it. And it's like really what happened here was Jurassic World like shocked the franchise back to life after JP three kind of died. And now the whole franchise is reaping from the benefits of this revitalization. But I mean, it's still important. Like this is a a big moment. I mean, I'd like to talk about this more in the future, like in a video for myself about the sequels and what I think they did wrong and how they got better, how they got worse. But as far as money goes, it's, it's, I think it's a very interesting conversation. 
Well, I feel like this. I feel like in any major franchise, an audience is actually willing to forgive one bad movie. Like, I yeah. feel like, I feel like they'll come back to your next movie because they'll be like, well, okay, so it was, it was not great, right? You look at like, you look at Man of Steel and, uh, yeah, you look at Man of Steel. And for me, like, I look at like Transformers 4, right? And those movies came out to lackluster reviews. And mm-hmm. then the next ones come out and, people dislike them even more. And so right. then by the time you get to like, by the time you get to Bumblebee, which deserved more money. And then by the time you get to justice league, which definitely didn't deserve more profits, like, <laughs> but nobody's left. That's the, but problem. like nobody's left. Like yeah. nobody, nobody went to Bumblebee to champ to realize, Hey, this is something that we should champion. And this is something that we should get back. And I think Hollywood learned from Superman returns. I think at the time, like in 2004, or 2002 when that movie was being developed that movie cost them i think 375 million dollars to make or something which is like whoa yeah i think even like by today's standard that's just like a crazy amount of that's money that's outrageous yeah. yeah and then it comes out and it's not accepted well no. right wow, and that's like crazy. yeah it was like 375 million they poured into that movie um to make it and it definitely didn't give back those returns and so I remember reading an article and it was like, Hey, where's the sequel to Superman returns? And the, this, it was, a, it was a interview with one of the producers. And he was like, like you would have known about it. Like there's like, there's not going to be a sequel. Like we would have announced yeah, there, it. There literally can't be, they, they can't right. afford to make. Well, they made their money back, but they barely made their money back. You right. know, like it wasn't, it wasn't enough um, to justify doing the sequel. And so, you know, that's what happens when, when you have a second bad movie, although Superman Returns is in theory, not the second bad movie, but like when you have a a Batman V Superman or a Transformers five, people aren't willing to come back, you know, so people aren't willing to come back the next time. And so like, I think, I think Dominion, maybe it's just in our circle, but I feel like Dominion is relatively successful and financially it was successful. You Um, mean Fallen Kingdom, not Dominion. I'm sorry. Yeah. Fallen Kingdom. I think it was successful. So I think like if Dominion, if Dominion just bombs and it's terrible, which I don't think that's, I don't think it's possible to be the case. No, pe- no not, not that are, badly anyways. Right. People I think are still willing to come back for Jurassic Park seven. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And, but I seven think- has to be good. It can't be bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, I totally, well, even Dominion has to be better than what some people thought of Fallen Kingdom. So like, in my opinion, I think we're, I think we're pretty much in the same place we were after the Lost World, if if we're looking at it from like a point of view of like, because like at the beginning of this uh, podcast you were talking about how when you were a kid you walked out of Lost World and, and you didn't hate it but you were like disappointed right right yeah like, I know a lot of people that were like well I saw all of Fallen Kingdom in the trailers anyways so like why and then you know you have other people that are like well that was very similar to lost world anyways, or that was very uh, X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever their thoughts were on it. But you are right. It it wasn't, it wasn't like JP three. I feel like it was received. Well, it was definitely a big hit just like lost world. Um, But I do, part of me actually thinks that dominion needs to maybe not necessarily perform better, but it should be better than, at world's end was to dead man's chest if that makes any sense <laughs> oh yeah those are those are the other two it's like that's another perfect example for me like i didn't think 
Pirates 2 or 3 were good. I actually thought Pirates 4 was good. Like, but the damage, yeah, yeah, it was just a fun, like, pirate movie. Kind of like the first one was just a fun pirate movie. It wasn't bogged down by all All the drama. Yeah, and all these plots that they, like, injected. Um, And so, but by the time 5 comes out, well, one, Pirates 5 was not good, but (laughs) I gave Pirates 5 a chance because I thought Pirates 4 was good. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like, so, and I don't think I even saw Pirates 4 in theaters because I was like, well, 2 and 3, in my opinion, were not good. So why would I go spend money on four? Right. And I feel like that's how the audience is all the time anyways. So I I guess we're, I mean, we're kind of getting a little off topic, but like. No, that's fine. That's that's what it's about. The the live action aspect, like it's, we have to understand why these movies have recouped from what happened with JP3. And I guess one thing I could bring up is like, I, I actually do think subconsciously a lot of this is to do with like story and character because uh, the Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 aren't really like that. Those first three movies weren't designed to be like part one, part two, part three. Right. And, you know, usually with movies, people that come to these Harry Potter films are like, oh, I'm going to go see Harry and his next adventure and how he grows as a person. And if you were like a massive Alan Grant fan and you walk out of Lost World going like, well, OK, <laughs> like what what happened to Alan? I thought this was Jurassic Park 2. And, you know, it's also weird if you walk into Jurassic Park 3 and you're like, well, where's Ian Malcolm? He was the protagonist of the last movie. Now, he's, is this like the Predator sequels where, like, they could just interchange anybody? But it kind of was. And I think that with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, like, regardless of anything else surrounding them, I think the audience latched on to, like, oh, at, I, at least I know I'm following two people whose stories are connected with the park. And I'm watching it in like an episodic fashion. And JP3 didn't do that. And and even the Lost World didn't do that. So for audiences, it was kind of like, well, I guess I'm just showing up to see dinosaurs, which for some people, that's enough. Um, Definitely. I I think China, like you said, like it's dinosaurs. Like that's why these movies are making so much money. But uh, for the Jurassic World movies to like totally relaunch after the... Um, I don't want to call Jurassic Park 3 a bomb, but it, it was a failure. Like, uh, I, I think that it says a lot. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny you talk about, like, the human thread, and I never really thought about that. But, like, neither neither of the original, and I'm and I'm using the term trilogy, like, super loosely because yeah, it's not I, really I know a trilogy. Yeah. yeah, like, the original three, like... There's no threads to like wonder what is going to happen next. Like, like you're saying, like, oh, I go into Lost World and I want to know what happens to Alan Grant. Well, why? There's no right. It, there was no breadcrumb that like led you to believe that his life was going to change after that. Like Jurassic Park tied up in a nice little bow. The Lost World, yeah. the Lost World tied up in a nice little bow. Jurassic Park three, I guess, tied up in a nice little bow. But like. <laughs> With Jurassic World, at the end of Jurassic World, it's like, oh, and this box goes to a mysterious helicopter. Right. It's like, it's like the box isn't integral. It's not the, it's not like Ray learning the Force or anything, but it is. It's just enough to like be like, you know what? I kind of want to know what's going on with the box. You know? Yeah, you'll be like incentivized to come back and be like, oh, okay, so this is the continuing chapter. Whereas before it was like, well, I don't know what they're gonna do next. Yeah, exactly. Um, but all right. So continuing chapter, I think that's a great segue into the uh, last thing I want to talk about. 
and something I kind of already hinted at. But let's talk about Jurassic Park Dead Islands. I don't know how much we can talk about this, but I want to give it an attempt. Um, Clayton, you introduced me to this book. So why don't you try to to describe to the audience what this book is? Okay, well, um, all right. So Jurassic Park Dead Islands is this project that is currently for sale on Amazon. Um, It is a fan-made book. It's a fan-made story that takes place in the 80s. And um, you can buy it. Um, I... I, I was first introduced to the book by actually I, – I know someone personally that's uh, working on the artwork like for oh, the okay. book. And they reached out to me and they're like, hey, uh, would you mind promoting this? And, and I, I I thought that this would be like an official release from Universal and Amblin. But okay. then I looked a little further into it and I was like, oh, this is like this is a, a fan work or something like that. So I, I didn't really – I mean the artwork is phenomenal by the way. Like – I can't stress that enough. The art in this book, it's it's pretty cool. Um, but th- there's something about the idea of selling a book that isn't owned by or that is owned by Universal and it's fan fiction. And I mean, to me, it screamed illegal and I didn't really know what to think about it. And I don't yeah. know if. I don't know if a lot of other people are aware of like the copyright. I don't know how this is available on Amazon, but unless they don't check anything, but um, it is a fan fiction. Uh, it's got really cool artwork. It's not official though. That's very important that we stress that. And you, it's available to buy on Amazon. We both bought a copy. Uh, I mean, yeah, look, so like I was actually, I even, I even had to pass this by Brad. I'm like, Hey, like, how, do you even want to cover this? Like, do we want to draw attention to it? And so he's like, I mean, I don't care. He's like, it's it's topical, right? Like, and I think I think we should talk about it. So what I want to say about it is like, I'm not endorsing that anyone go buy this. In, in fact, it is of my opinion that I have every right to just sit on this podcast and just read it to the audience because <laughs> it's very clearly Jurassic Park. The cover, I mean, it's actually a nice quality. I feel like the quality of book is actually really nice. Um, It reminds yeah, yeah. me of... Anybody out there who reads like, who reads trades of like Doctor Who or like Gears of War or like Halo, it's like that quality of like paperback. Um, it's got the engine logo on it. It says the words Jurassic Park in the font. And yeah. then it's got like, and so what drew me to want to buy a copy was actually exactly what you pointed out. The artwork in this is actually phenomenal. Um, oh yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. It, it's not only phenomenal, uh, phenomenal because it's cool. It's like Dimetrodon and Suchomimus. It's like dinosaurs yeah. we haven't seen in the movies, and it's like, oh wow, look at how intricately they've incorporated the, these uh, dinosaurs into this book. But, but they even have their own logo, by the way, a Jurassic Park logo that, like, with the T Rex skeleton and everything that says Dead Islands. Yeah, it's just it's like so crazy, and so like when I look through this uh, artwork, the oh my god, I'm gonna butcher this name, the Rampy, wait, uh, Rampy Nikus. Oh, oh, the Ramp for Rinkus. Yeah, yeah, Ramp for Rinkus. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the artwork in this reminds me of like if you've ever read the Harry Potter books, every chapter begins with like a black and white yes, illustration. Yeah. And dude, this this artist, if you said hey who drew this, I would think it was the artist who did J.K. Rowling's books. Like It's really cool. Yeah. The art is really, really good. Um, yeah. I bought it strictly for the art. I may or may not read this because I, I do have kind of like issues with like time investment. And it's not like I'm, I'm not anti this book existing. 
I'm kind of anti like, do I want to invest my time in something that doesn't quote unquote count towards anything? Um, and there's still the ethical thing around the fact and that it's, there's, yeah. yeah, there's definitely like the ethic, the ethics of it. Um, but yeah, you can get it on Amazon. It's like 15 bucks. Um, again, I'm not promoting or saying to go buy it, but if you're just, if you have just a weird curiosity for it, someone did say in the, um, Jurassic world Facebook group, um, you know, Hey, has anybody picked this up? I'm reading it and pe- you know, people giving them the same spiel that you and I are giving, right? Well, it's not right, licensed. Yeah. It's like, how could they do this? Like, this can't be right. How can Amazon do this? I actually do worry about like Amazon suing these people because yeah, I, Amazon I it's, printed mm-hmm. these books. And they've got them sitting in a warehouse. Um, but someone made the argument and I have to agree. When I go to a comic book convention or any kind of convention back pre COVID-19, I could buy fan art of about any character I wanted. Now, what's the difference between buying this book and buying fan art of other licensed material? Uh, right? Uh, well, okay. Let me tell a story real quick. Yeah, no, go I, ahead. Remember when I told you earlier that I, I usually use my dad to like gauge the audience on stuff? Sure, yeah. So like I <laughs> – I, I walked out of my front door as soon as I got this book and I drove to my dad's and I handed it to him. And I said, what do you think about this? And he was like, oh, what is this? Is this the story after the next movie? And he was like looking at the book and he was like looking through the art and he's like, okay, so does this take place after the last one came out? Is is the clone girl like going to catch these dinosaurs? And I was like, no. And I kept telling him like, no, that's not what it is. That's not. He's like, well, then what is this? And I was like, this is an unlicensed fan fiction book that's been available for sale on Amazon. And I showed him like on my phone where and he's like, what? <laughs> like he, he looked, he's like, so it's illegal and they're going to get their butts burned. And I, I was like, look, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, you raise a very good question, but even him, he was, he was looking at it like, what are you talking about? How does this exist? How am I holding this in my hands? How did this get sold on Amazon? <laughs> I guess that's what like, I guess that, like for me, that's the difference is that when I go, when you go to a comic book convention, it's just people running like independent booths and like Comic-Con doesn't really care about what's being sold. They just want to rent the space. Whereas like, and it it's no skin off of Comic-Con's back, right? Like they sell the booth space, which is a 10 by 10 cube of, of, Right, they sell yard sale or something. Yeah, they sell that space, and like, what do they care? But like, when I think about this book, this book was written by a fan, and that's great. Like, you know, you look at like someone like Arjun, right, who does his own kind of. um, He did like the radio show for us here on the podcast, and it's like there's a place for fan fiction. I expect fan fiction to be um, essentially. I I expect fan fiction to be free, essentially, right? Yeah, pretty Um, much. And I expect it to not be of the quality that Universal can tell, right? And so that's mm-hmm. that's where I kind of divide fan fiction. Well, this is – what's interesting about this is that it was mass produced by a conglomerate company. And when you first look at this and you first get your hands on this, this is a – this is official. It looks yeah. good. Like yep. – it looks like I should be able to walk into a Barnes and Noble and pick this up next to the evolution of Claire. Pretty much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think for me, like that's where like the ethics become kind of icky. It's like, and I, I asked, uh, 
Oh, again, I, I asked, no, I, I think I asked like our crew, like that we talked to, I was like, hey, if this was something I wanted to do, but I wanted to do it in a completely legal way. Right, yeah. Is it possible for me to write a story that is very clearly in the Jurassic Park universe, but not ever say anything licensed by Universal? Is it possible? And I think it is. Yeah, you can totally just say, like, there was the island and we cloned the dinosaurs on. Yeah. Like, so, like, almost it's like the only difference between me being okay and not okay with this book is the fact that it says Jurassic Park on the cover. Like, very, well, not, yeah, it's Jurassic Park in the font with the engine. Like, you can't mistake. Like, it looks like this is the copyrighted material. If, so, if if the book came out and didn't have the engine logo, right? And let's say the book was called A Jurassic Adventure, but it even used, like, the font, right? I'd right, be like, sure. and then someone, like, in our circle was like, hey, this is kind of like a a fan fiction of Jurassic Park. I'd be like, oh, totally cool. They didn't break any, they didn't break any copyright laws. They didn't break any licensing. Yeah, kind I'm, of like an unofficial sequel. That, and right. you see that a lot, actually. Yeah. Totally. So like, again, I'm just like dumbfounded. Like, like when you, when you do read through this, like you had mentioned that like the punctuation wasn't necessarily proper for a piece of literature. uh, Yeah. The the way that people talk in the book, like you'll know when you, if you ever open it up, it looks like it threw me for, I was like, am I reading a play now? (laughs) Like what? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, I, I think as soon as you start reading it, you realize like, oh, this is not official. It, and I, I don't know how to grade writing or anything like that, but you can tell that it's there's not like quotations around when people start speaking. It's written in like um, it's like bullet points. Like, yeah, it's like bullet points. Yeah. Like every time someone talks, there's a dash next to what they're saying. It's very much like reading a list. Um, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, so I might give this a read. I'm not sure. Part of the big reason why I wanted to pick it up was one for the uh, I want to say 10 pages of art that I think are phenomenal. Yeah, um, really, the, the art is really cool. And then just the sheer fact that I'm like, I don't think this is going to be up for very long. So <laughs> I wanted to get my hands on it before, like, because I knew that if I bought it on Kindle, they can remove that from my Kindle account. Ah. So like, I made sure to buy the hard copy because I'm like, well, if I'm ever interested in fan art, because let's face it, there is a market for this book. Yeah, there is. Uh, like, yeah. we we are the market. We proved it, right? We were willing to kind of, like, bypass our ethics to get our hands and on it. That's why they put Jurassic Park on the front cover. They knew they could sell it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, if, again, I, I don't know, you know, just us talking about it is probably going to get this thing axed, which I guess I do or don't feel bad about it. I'm not really sure. But, like, um. I, I just had to grab a copy of it. I think it was important to talk about because it is topical. I think it's important from the sheer fact that like there is a market for this. And I think Universal needs to recognize that. And yeah. I don't think I don't think the evolution of Claire was the book they should have launched with. Does that no. seem does that yeah, seem yeah. like a fair statement? It's totally fair. Um I, I've mentioned this before. Like that book to me, and this is no like um displacement of like i'm not talking down or anything like that i i feel like that was a big misfire but it was uh, weird right because like it was and i don't mean to like 
I like to I like to I like to joke with like Victoria from Victoria's Cantina because she's very much like you know girls play with toys too and all that stuff and like I I don't disregard that like whatsoever like I you know sure. my sister my sister used to want to like get her hands on my action figures and like you know whatever um and my mom will always tell stories about how like she was jealous of like her brothers getting like trucks and all this other stuff um but like traditionally in the traditional sense Jura- uh, Jurassic Park has kind of been like the quote unquote boys like toy and so. It was, I think, evolution of Claire, while it fulfilled a, it fulfilled a, a necessity, which is a female protagonist-led story, and I think that was a great thing, I felt like that it should have launched as part of, like, a three-book series at the time to kind of, mm. like, feel out where the audience was with Jurassic books, because I, I do think that, like, when you say, hey female protagonist story you have me like i'm totally there but then you say in the vein and in the section of uh teen like a young adult like novels that's where you lose me right i think that was the problem is like i don't necessarily think claire being the protagonist was the issue so much as how they how they chose to tell the story like it's from her point of view so you get a very uh it it feels like remember the Eric Kirby books like it feels like if you took one of those Jurassic Park three Eric Kirby books where he was like and then Ben died and then an apatosaurus farted and then I ran away like <laughs> that's in that book by the way oh and, man I've never read them but wow okay, well, yeah you did yourself a favor anyways um like imagine that only four hundred pages and it was about Eric getting his first kiss. And that's kind of how I look at oh, the evolution. No, see. Was this really the the story? Now, if if they told it through like third person where you didn't get Claire's feelings all the time, like I felt butterflies in my stomach and now I got to go see this dinosaur named Pearl and now I'm scared and now I'm happy and now I'm sad. You know, I feel like it was just if they just toned that back and just told it like Claire walked to the edge of the paddock before grabbing the tranquilizer rifle. I feel like it would have gone so much over better with the, uh, the reader base. But um, it, it was definitely an odd choice to start off with because like you would think that you would Jurassic Park has been in books before. I mean, they're based on books. So right. the idea to actually have it uh, YA from the point of view of a character that is at this point in her life that where she does evolve, obviously, but she's so much younger. It, it felt like, especially when Fallen Kingdom was coming out, Fallen Kingdom is a darker movie than Jurassic World. Like, why didn't they make a darker book? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm not sure. And I, I should actually like totally clarify, like I have zero problem with this book existing or like being what it is. I just felt like it was a really weird choice for a conglomerate company to be like, mm. hey, let's skew from our primary demographic for our first outing in in literature, right? Like that's yeah, that's can... kind of all I'm getting at. Like I think this book totally one has every right to exist and I think that like when when I do read it cuz I'm I'm planning on reading it um here pretty quick, but like I I should say that the book doesn't like shouldn't exist or doesn't like deserve to exist. What I'm trying to say is like it felt like an odd choice to start and it felt like an odd choice to like put all your eggs in this what I think is kind of like a niche. I shouldn't even say it's a niche because it's not, but like yeah, this no, I get what you're saying. not major was, demographic. Like it just felt weird to me. 
it would be like if the force awakens came out like and during the build-up for that they release one star wars book and it's like told from the point of view of kira knightley's character from the phantom menace it's like what <laughs> i wouldn't even say like it's going that far it would just be like i mean maybe like i, I don't know it's it's so it's incredibly just, it's weird choice, you know what i mean like i i actually i really do believe if they if they took the time to actually not have it like like let's say claire is still the protagonist it's just not you don't get like the the eyes and the you know that first person perspective I feel like it would have gone over way better, but um, when I read it, I could only, I was like, well, this is weird. This doesn't feel like Jurassic world to me at all. It, it um, and I, I do get what you're saying. Like demographic wise, you would think that they would like, okay, let's take trespasser. For example, mm-hmm. like that was a, a female led story, but that was not focused on like, Anne didn't feel butterflies in her stomach when she came across like an old engine relic. You know, like it was still sort of a survival scary situation. Now, Trespasser's not that immersive when it's broken, but I, I could see how they thought that that was a good idea. You know what I mean? Sure. And actually, I I see your point to to call back on Trespasser and you saying like your kind of your issues with the with the first person perspective. Like it's it's one of the things that broke me in the Lost World is when tragic things are happening, like they're hanging off a cliff. They, oh, and they make jokes. And they start making <laughs> jokes. And it's like, yeah. it's like, well, wait a second. Something really terrible is happening right now. And like, mm. you're, when something terrible is happening to you and your adrenaline is up, you're just focused on this, 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 and this. And yeah, like if it's, like I said, the, the book didn't initially lose my interest at, um, Claire being the protagonist. The book lost my interest in young adult because I was like, well, I've read, I got interested in young adult with like Harry Potter, but like, after Harry, Harry Potter, Potter matured as it went along. Yeah, it matured as it went along, but it also like it didn't feel very like teen drama. Like there was aspects of that, but that's not what Harry Potter was. And like, right, there I just kind of wider story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the more that I the more that I heard about evolution of Claire, I'm, I'm getting off like on a big detractor tangent, and I'm not because like I I totally want to read that book, but like it just felt like oh, but this is. This is weird, um, and well, weird in a sense like that like. Say that again. Doesn't it feel like it just doesn't fit like what you would expect when you open up a Jurassic World book? You're like, oh, that's what this is. Yeah, well, maybe. I don't I, know. That's what I felt because I remember I watched Fallen Kingdom and then I went to go buy the book and while I was reading the book, I was, I was surprised. I was like this not only it really didn't even feel like Claire to be honest with you like when I was reading it I was like this feels like it's a Jurassic World book second and first it's a YA book like see and I actually kind of would like I would like to fall to like I don't know exactly what Jennifer Evans thinks of the book necessarily I think I'm pretty sure she liked it right I think she loved it yeah yeah I'm I'm a minority on not loving evolution of Claire by the way (laughs) I think a lot of people liked that book yeah, I mean, and I haven't read it, so like I'm totally talking out my my rear on this. But like, um, I know a lot of I know a lot of the fans like really loved it, and like I'm excited to get on it again. I look at like the black and white, you know, just like when I say the compies are off reference, I look and go, what an odd choice to dive into uh, spinoff novels with a young adult with a young adult yeah, novel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, that's just kind of where I fall on that. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, again, I'm not promoting going and buying this Dead Islands book, but if you want cool art, it's there. Um, so yeah, I don't. I think, I think we're pretty cleared out, man. Did you have any like any final thoughts on any of our topics or anything? Not really. I mean, we we pretty much hammered in everything on <laughs> everything we could talk about, but uh, it was really fun. I think one really cool thing to take away from all of this is that it's exciting to know that Jurassic World is having a whole bunch of stuff come out and that we do get to talk about it because uh, this most certainly was not the case a few years ago. Um, so I, I'm just kind of happy to talk about the boot, the bootleg book, the official book, the, uh, the TV series, the new still images, and the fact that the franchise is now like a billion dollar for film is really cool and it's all happening while the world is on fire with COVID. Yeah, I know. what does that say about us <laughs> yeah exactly so um so anyway i think we're gonna get heading out of here clayton where can everyone find you oh okay well you can find me on youtube uh just type in clayton fiorini and you should get a whole bunch of nonsensical dinosaur and jurassic park stuff and you can watch me over there you probably see his stuff if you're looking up the jurassic park podcast over on youtube we probably all show up in like the same relative uh playlists and search queries um y'all can find me at aaron d buyer over on twitter um clayton it was great talking to you thank you so much for filling in with brad again at the last minute i really appreciate it and uh yeah i everyone out there have a great day yeah man thanks Thanks for listening to the 248th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Thanks so much again to Clayton Fioriti for joining me at the last second for another installment of the Jurassic Wire. I'm so excited to have had the opportunity to talk to you on air, and I really think the fans out there will have enjoyed it as well. But that wraps it up. We did it. Thank you to everybody out there who went along on this ride with me as I hosted my very first episode. I also want to thank Brad for putting his trust in me this week, as you've created something really special here, and I'm so happy to help you out whenever you need me. All right, everybody, stay safe out there and have a great week. Saddle up. Let's get this movable feast underway. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod and myself at Brad Jost. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to join the Jurassic Park Podcast group on Facebook. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So please be sure to subscribe. Also, don't miss our toy hunts and reviews, in-depth bonus content, live streams, gameplay, events and theme park coverage, and so much more on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read your reviews at the end of every episode, so please be sure to spare no expense. Don't miss us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com, where you'll find today's episode show notes, wonderful articles, bios from our contributors, and so much more. If you want to get a hold of us, you can fill out the contact form on our website or email us, JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. We're always looking for new segments, contributors, mailbag submissions, or anybody who just wants to say hello. Feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy! Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now. Okay, team, listen up. 
We've got a new predator on the loose. Not you, Blue. The predator we're talking about is the coronavirus. Now I'm gonna help you spot the main symptoms in the wild. First, watch out for a high fever. Second, a dry cough like this. Third, trouble breathing. It might even sound like this. Whoa, whoa, back up, Blue. Don't forget about social distancing. Keep at least six feet away from anyone you don't live with. Good job, Blue. We all have to be extra vigilant if we want to beat this virus, even if we don't have any symptoms. That means always protecting ourselves and each other, because this virus, it's invisible. It's made up of germs just like these. It could literally be anywhere. It attacks our bodies. Oh, Blue! Hang on, Blue. Drop it. Drop it. It's okay, girl. It's okay. Which brings me to my last point. Always wash your hands thoroughly for at least 20 seconds with soap and warm water. No! Hey, come back here! Remember, we're all in this together. Teamwork is our best defense. Blue? Blue? No! Don't eat the soap! Drop that right now! Oh, I should be burping bubbles for a week! 